Wrestling Geeks Alliance. Well, I didn't give you a countdown this time, but it's starting. <laughs> Sorry about that. All right, how are you guys doing out there? This is another episode of Wrestling Geeks Alliance, a show in which me and my co-host, Christopher Brother Ray Patton, like down break down the latest and greatest in professional wrestling news and provide you with reviews of our past shows. I am here, like I said, with my co-host, Christopher. How are you doing today, sir? And can I get through one of these uh, intros uh, flawlessly like I used to do, or do I have to fuck up one word every fucking time? <laughs> Jesus. What was it What was it last week? I was Br- Brostifer or something? I can't remember. I screwed up your name. <laughs> uh. Hey, does, it doesn't matter. We're fucking, fuck it, we'll do it live, right? Um, <laughs> how's your week been, buddy? It's been good, man. Uh, you know, good work week. We're getting closer to the uh, Christmas vacation time off. And, uh, yeah, man, just watching a lot of wrestling uh, because it's crappy out. And uh, what the hell else am I going to do, you know? Yeah, it's Georgia's been so weird. Like, it's consistently 70 degrees, like, to the point where they're like still, there's still fucking mosquitoes outside stinging me. I don't know what the hell is going on. But it is kind of rainy and crappy out today, which is unfortunate. But, uh yeah, crazy week of wrestling. Lots of news to talk about. This is going to be an exciting show, to say the least. I would say so, man. And let's uh, actually get into that news. Um, we'll first talk about uh, – I want to talk about uh, Final Battle, unfortunately. And we've already kept up with the uh, progress and what it actually happened not too long ago. Ring of Honor is closing their doors to being a full organization um, when it comes to having a weekly show and having a full roster that's signed to it. They're going to go more, what they're saying is like, you know, at an indie level, but they're taking off this next year to really reevaluate and try to figure out where they're going to go. I unfortunately think that that will dissipate into absolutely nothing. It may be a sell of the assets of Ring of Honor to the highest bidder or whatever, but maybe they will kind of become something like a, I don't know, a Rev Pro or a PWG, you know, those type of entities um gcw to an extent but they're having their final battle Uh, a lot of people were underwhelmed by the lineup because they didn't have you know uh a lot of uh, alum like people would like and unfortunately their sales weren't doing too well well now we're gonna go over the matches themselves do some predictions but you know this is one of those situations uh that i have to thank tony khan for being outside of the box because apparently he stepped up. We found out that uh, Bandito, uh, their you know champion, uh, actually contracted COVID. He's going to be out for a while. Um, I don't know the details of how he got it, when he got it. Maybe it was in Mexico. He's been doing events there. But I know Conan's really strict in AAA, so I don't know. But either way, he has it, so he can't be there. So Jonathan Gresham was supposed to go against him. And I'm pretty sure Gresham was going to probably beat him and be the last Ring of Honor champion of this, you know, the televised era, if you will. 
which has been going on for a long time now. Um, but either way, him and Jay Lethal now get to go uh, at it, and you know we'll go through the card, Chris. But it sounds like he's sending support was the the headline for Ring of Honor. They have a match, I believe it's Survivor Series, like five on five. And uh, we have no idea who the participants are. So I'm expecting, you know, to kind of amplify the last night of Ring of Honor in this form. I'm expecting certain people to show up, probably do promos and also some alum to be a part of that last match. You know, a lot of guys that were big, if they're not in WWE, uh, they're available to be able to participate in some way. So I hope this is a big celebration tonight. Like I said, we'll go over the card itself, but how do you feel about this news of Tony Khan kind of help? It's, it sounds like helping out Ring of Honor once Bandito, um, you know, contracted COVID. Yeah, I wonder how this has helped their sales because, I, you know, originally we were hearing that, that it was not – with the card that was originally announced was not – it didn't look like it was going to be anywhere close to selling out. But I'm assuming that, that this this news probably helped a lot, and it's cool that Tony Khan's letting some of these guys return. I wonder how they're getting paid because I doubt this is coming out of Ring of Honor's budget, so I don't know if they're doing like some kind of revenue s- split with AEW on, based on their pay-per-view. Um, like I haven't heard anything about that, but it's exciting news for Ring of Honor. It's kind of more of what we, when we talked about this originally being their final show, what we kind of wanted to see with the likes of someone like Adam Cole potentially coming back or CM Punk or, you know, some of these bigger legends from the past. It would have been really cool to see WWE also try to collaborate with this, specifically guys like maybe Sami Zayn, Kevin, Kevin Steen, Kevin Owens. Um, Tyler Black, Seth Rollins, like some of these other guys from WWE would have been cool to see. It'd be more encompassing of all of these stars um, from the past and present, but it's cool that we're getting, you know, some legends back and that Jay Lethal Gresham match, it should be great. Really looking forward to seeing that. And it kind of makes sense that Jay Lethal is, uh, <laughs> is going to be in the last main event of Ring of Honor for the foreseeable future. And I feel a lot like you, and we've talked about this. It seems like, you know, to me, they're probably going to sell the tape library and maybe keep the name of Ring of Honor, but it's never going to be what it was in the past, which is sad. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, just going into it, uh, I'm glad that we're getting more of like a last night kind of like finalize things because when I heard Jay Lethal wasn't going to be involved, Chris, I got to admit to you uh, when he made that statement, it was like, wow. So I guess this is not going to be one last big hurrah. And when I was hearing about the sales uh, within the, um, the, the place that they were doing the events and how like little it was about two weeks ago, I was like, damn dude, like this is ring of honor, you know, ring of honor produced, I would say some of the biggest superstars, Along with OVW, I think they're the top two organizations that really made the stars of the 2000s um, and really zoned in on a lot of those guys. I mean, obviously, I, I'm, if, if, I'm, if I'm wrong, correct me. AJ Styles obviously cut his teeth, I, I think, at TNA coming off of Nitro for like the, the last tail end of it. And But when he went to Ring of Honor, I, I feel like his stock went up as far as being much more of a performer. So, you know, just everyone in general, Brian Danielson, um, 
Christopher Daniels, uh, just just so many people that Ring of Honor has, you know, put a large uh, part of their, uh, you know, funding and, and everything into those superstars. So I do hope that we see some people. God, it would just be great for Samoa Joe to be able to make an appearance because uh, I don't know if he makes appearances at all anymore uh, within the WWE NXT. I have no clue what the hell they did with him. But, yeah, you know. Just in general, I'm, I'm glad we're being able to see this. And maybe partially this is kind of like a – there's a lot of tension between Ring of Honor and AEW, it seems. So I'm, I'm glad that Tony's doing this. Maybe it's going to make certain fans aware that of, of the past and, and, and situations after All In and splitting off and becoming this organization. You know, Ring of Honor is very important, like I said, to the growth of the modern stars – uh, along with, like I said, up OVW probably would be the second biggest one, and then TNA maybe uh, as its own entity. But you know, it sucks. This is going to be it. Yeah, it's it it is it is kind of crazy that we're not going to have a Samoa Joe appearance. I'm assuming that he is not going to show up, but it would be neat even if you know he doesn't wrestle. If they if WWE didn't want him to wrestle just to be there. Or do you know maybe even do commentary or something? There's so many people I want do to see rock promo. on the show. Yeah, you know, there's so many people. Yeah, I mean, there's so many legends from that company that I want to see that probably aren't going to happen. But it is good. We're good. We're getting something, and it it you know it does suck a little bit that it took so long to squash the beef from from all in. And I don't know if they. I don't really know if there was like real heat there between the two companies or if it was more just a fact that uh, Ring of Honor can't pay <laughs> the people, you know, like, is it is it like, was it a company thing where they just didn't like each other? Or do you think it's more that they, based on what we're seeing now with the company shutting down, did they just not have the ability to pay some of these people to these big names to bring in? I think at that point in time, you know, we, we look at all in and that was very much a good chunk of it, uh, apparently paid for by ring of honor because they were that company at the time. And they were, you know, uh, at another, I would say peak within their, their organization. And I think there's been either rumored or, or confirmed. I can't really, you know, say one way or the other, that Ring of Honor and a lot of the wrestlers of that organization, when you know AEW branched off, it, it, it kind of there was a little bit of tension there, especially with the results of the Madison Square Garden show and the biggest complaint that you know they a lot of people felt swindled that certain AEW stars, Cody Rhodes, the Young Bucks, Kenny Omega weren't participating in it, and they felt like they were you know this is before AEW even fucking started, but it just seems like along with New Japan. And maybe even stronger that Ring of Honors had some issues with either the wrestlers or the, you know, Gary Silken. I don't know exactly some of the higher ups with how Kenny, the Bucks, all of them left and then made this new organization that basically dwarfed them. And I don't think I don't I don't think uh, fucking COVID helped at all. That year killed them from what Jay Lethal said. Yeah, I mean, they they just now started running fans in the building with Ring of Honor. Like not not even that long ago, um, because when they were doing like was it the pride the pride tournament, um, they were still fanless, right? And for a company that yep has kind of a shoot, yes, they had no yeah, pure, one there pure, pure, for the longest time. 
Um, so yeah, pure tournament. Thanks for correcting me on that one. Uh, but the um, when you have such a shoestring budget, that has to play into some of this, right? Like knowing how Delirious has had to book for the past. <laughs> I'm assuming it's been worse the past two years, but even before that, knowing how much, how little they that they gave him uh, to work with. It's amazing that they've actually stayed around this long, if I'm being completely honest. And I know the all in thing, a lot of that was self-funded by Cody, the bucks and, and Kenny, but ring of honor did all of the production for that show for the actual pay-per-view um, and the stream itself. So I, I could see them being slighted by that, but it, it's just, it's really, really sad that what was it? Sinclair, had put Ring of Honor in this situation to begin with because they could have easily been the third biggest wrestling company, um, even with AEW coming around. I, I think they could have been bigger than Impact. But, uh, you know, if you don't put any money behind it and you don't try to get an actual TV, like TV nationally, it's really hard to, to survive nowadays. Yeah, and I would actually check out anyone out there who wants to get more inside information about uh, at least Jay Lethal's perspective on the ending of uh, Ring of Honor. His uh, new interview that just came up on Friday with Chris Jericho, Takas Jericho, really good, really in-depth, and he kind of goes into a lot of details about what exactly happened and how basically a bunch of wrestlers were caught off guard completely. Uh, they were told to be a part of this giant interview. They got some information that – or not interview, but a Zoom call – um, and they got all this information that there's some – they made it sound basically better than what was going to be announced, that everyone was bye-bye, contract, you know, and now we're going to con- you know condense everything down. But Jay Lethal's a badass. I'm so glad that him and Jonathan Gresham get to have, like, the last match, you know, Alice Sting, fucking Ric Flair. You know, it just – or I, I don't know what ECW's was, but – that same type of concept and just the, uh, the bill itself looks really good. Do you want to go over the bill? Any last comments about, uh, you know, ring of honor before we go into their final pay-per-view. No, I mean, outside of the things that we've talked about on the past shows, just, it's sad. It's like a part of my childhood is dying with Ring of Honor dying. So I'm looking forward to the show and, and, and talking about this card. But that's that's the biggest takeaway is it, it just feels like the end of an era, kind of like when ECW shut down or WCW shut down, especially being Ring of Honor after WCW was probably my favorite show for a long, long period of time. I know I've, I've fallen off over the past few years which i think a lot of fans have kind of been in the same boat with just so much content to watch and, and me getting more into new japan but ring of honor will always hold a very special place in my heart absolutely let's go through um i'm going to name the first actually we'll, we'll go we'll go match for match uh first match that is least uh stated on wikipedia so this could be a completely different situation but we'll go by this dragon lee and ray Horus. Um, this is going to be a great luchador match to open up, uh, uh, probably a lot of fun pay-per-view. Ray Horace is definitely one of the luchadors that has had a lot of, you know, appeal. He was in that one group of Flamita and, uh, El Bandito and, uh, Dragon Lee, you know, part of, uh, Rush's group, or Rush, I should say, uh, you know, being brothers with him, also an amazing luchador. So I'm looking forward to this, especially since Dragon Lee 
kind of like uh, one of his idols, Ultimo Dragon, brings the Japanese strong style that he learned over in Japan along with his style. And Ray Horace is arguably an, an amazing just straight Lucha Libre-styled wrestler. Good, uh, good opener if this is the opener. Yeah, and I've seen this. I've seen them in a match before, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was like four or five months ago. Uh, it was really, really great. So I'm looking forward to this. This should be a really good match. If I had to make a prediction, um, Dragon Lee gets the win, I guess. That would be my prediction. But I love both these guys. And uh, Dragon Lee has really grown on, on me the past couple of years. So, well, as much as I've seen him in the past couple of years with COVID and all the other bullshit. But... Uh, I'm a big fan of Dragon Lee, so I'm going to make him my pick and cheer for him regardless, even if he ends up getting his shit kicked in. Yeah, Dragon Lee is definitely the person I think will get this. He's been pushed pretty big, I would say Lucha Libre-wise or Luchador-wise, uh, right underneath Bandito, um, you know, because of the connection with Roosh and everything else. So I think he'll get the win. Next match we have... Basically, you know, Jonathan Gresham, uh, members of their group, and uh, Jay Lethal, but they're not called that at least. But um, Eli, um, Isam, Tyler, or Taylor Rust, and Tracy Hot Sauce Williams is going against Violence Unlimited, Brody King, Homicide, and Tony Deppin. I hope Homicide gets a lot of love in this match, and I feel like Violence Unlimited is probably going to take out the other team, Chris. Yeah, it's horn on this one because I fucking love Hot Sauce Tracy Williams, and I hope to see him somewhere in the near future on a televised product. But uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm leaning MLW. towards Violence Yeah, there you go. Why not? Let's do that. Um, looking forward to the match, and I, I think I'm going to go with your pick with Violence Unlimited, which is still one of the best faction names in the past 10 years. That's it's great. <laughs> fucking love it. Yep. I agree. All right, so then we have uh, Fight Without Honor. So that's, I believe, no DQ uh, match uh, with Kenny King and Shane Taylor. I mean, two, you know, staples, I would say, for Ring of Honor in the last couple of years. And also, you know, two of the, the best African-American performers, I would say, within professional wrestling. They've had a rivalry w- between their two groups. I want Shane Taylor to get this. I hope Shane Taylor does. I hope Kenny King does as well. But I really like Shane Taylor. I like his attitude. He just did a great interview on Busted Open, and he's a really cool dude. And he basically tried to create a modern nation of domination. I think he was doing a good job within Ring of Honor, and uh, I hope that he does big things in the future. Maybe another person that could be, end up in MLW. But uh, who do you got between Kenny King and Shane Taylor? Oh, man, uh, this one's a tough pick, so I'm just going to flip a coin and, and see what happens. And, and I, I'm, I don't know. I'll go, with, I'll go with King. I'll just be yep. opposite of you. That way, one of us will be right with our predictions. <laughs> I like that. That's very nice of you. <laughs> uh, this should be an outstanding match. OGK, the Ring of Honor champions, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, going against the Briscoe brothers, Mark and Jay Briscoe. I... I'm okay if, if, if Taven and uh, Bennett win because as single competitors and also within their uh, group, the kingdom, they were big comp- uh, contributors. But if the Briscoes get those tag titles one last time, if you will, I know that they're going to continue this, but they're, they're taking a fucking year off. 
Um, regardless, so one last time, if Briscoes can get those belts, that will be great. But I don't care either way. Uh, I appreciate all these guys, and I think the Briscoes will be showing up on something pretty damn soon. And I think Mike Bennett and you know uh, Matt Taven will be right behind them. But I'm going the Briscoes winning those damn belts one more time for them boys, Chris. Yeah, I'm going to go with this as well, just because I feel like they're going to give the fans one big title change. And this this probably makes the most sense as opposed to Gresham losing to Jay Lethal. Um, but it's I mean, one of those someone's going to get the damn title, right? It just makes sense for it being your last show. And it might as well be the Briscoes. I think they've been a staple of that company forever. Well, as long as I've been watching, the Briscoes have been there. So uh, I have absolutely no problem with them getting the win. This should be a really, really fun match. And uh, I don't know if we're going to talk about it in the news segment, if we're going to go over it, but they, you know, they were seen backstage at AEW. Haven't heard anything else than that, but that does, that seems promising for the Briscoes. All of them actually were last week. uh, Apparently uh, Matt Taven and Mike Bennett were backstage chilling, hanging out with the guys. So, um, interesting stuff. I definitely think Briscoes are someone you, I understand they have, look, the thing is with wrestlers, uh, I know that they have a bad past. I know that they have said stuff, especially about the gay community that was definitely not flattering and just straight out ignorant. But if you want to get wrestlers like this, and I think Tony would be the guy that would want to do this, get them to do some interviews, man. Um, and you know, uh, I'm sure they feel a different way or they were just trying to be in character, whatever the fuck they want to say. But if you actually get them to talk about it and try to bring it out instead of it allowing it to scathe in the background like WWE does and just address it, I think that would be good. And they're one of the best tag teams in the world. Also, Jay Briscoe, like I said, is Stone Cold Steve Austin in real life. I mean, he's a fucking badass. And his match with Jay Lethal for the championship years ago, I think it was in 2011 that I watched recently, uh, fucking phenomenal match. Yeah, and and I think that, you know, if I'm AEW, maybe you even look at sending them to sensitivity training before signing them and make that announcement and do like a press conference interview. Like kind of like what you were talking about. Yeah, like they did with Sammy and, you know, give the Briscoes a chance to apologize. And, let's, you know, they haven't had any troubles since then, since, the you know, that those tweets um, and those comments. People can change and, and – you know, if they come out and apologize and if they want to send them to sensitivity training, I think that shows they're moving in the right direction. It seems like that had worked out for Sammy pretty well. Um, so maybe do something like that. But I heavily expect them to be in AEW. And I hope that they bring in Papa Briscoe as their manager. Dude, <laughs> I want Papa Briscoe to have a, a, a back and forth with Kelly <laughs> Blanchard if FTR and the Briscoes go against each other. That would be amazing. Yeah, we need another farm fight. Let's do an fight on a farm, farm man. Fight. Hell yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, to this match and looking forward to what happens with the Briscoes in the future. And, you know, me personally, I'm ready to give them another opportunity if they come out and apologize. And like you said, it was definitely the things that they said weren't flattering to say the least. But, you know, everyone has said dumb shit in the past. And I think that you should be given a chance to prove that you're not necessarily the person and maybe you just made the wrong choice at that time. Right. So uh, I hope that the AW fans themselves will give them a chance to, to, to prove that they're not those people. And we'll, we'll see how that happens because this fan base can be a little 
fickle when it comes to things like this and, and who they choose to accept apologies from and who they don't choose to accept apologies from. Yeah, with a company where fans are able to just go back and dig up stuff about Jay Lethal again that was unproven and just completely... De- I I really uh, I worry about the Briscoes, but if they do the right things, you know, it's just that audience, and that's uh, that's just how it's going to be. So, um, I, I mean, if they come out, like I said, and they do an apo- apology, and like you were talking, maybe even a, con- a press conference or something... Um, or get Jericho people, sit down with them, get busted open to sit down, all the fucking main outlets, and kind of just bring it up and be like, hey, we want to fucking address this. And I think they're yeah, men, and they'll I, fucking do that, and you know, I think that that would be really good, basically. Yeah, I think it's a good look for them if they do that, and uh, fans will, fans are more willing to forget if you're putting on awesome matches, that seems to be the case with like Sammy Guevara, um, so maybe if they go that route. Do the apology and then just start having some good matches with like the Bucks, for instance, and FTR and Pride and Powerful, etc. Uh, you know, maybe more recent memory that'll that'll grow that fondness. Absolutely. All right, next match for the Pure Championship, uh, the champion Josh Woods that Jonathan Gresham is very much behind. He put him over, obviously, to get that championship from him. Uh, he's going against Brian Johnson, another up and comer. I just think that Josh Woods should go and, you know, remain. He he hasn't even had that many defenses. So I like him to keep the title and be the last uh, Ring of Honor pure champion. Uh, if you're going to beat Gresham for it, I think that says a lot. <laughs> so. Yeah, I feel like he's probably going to retain here. And I, I definitely see him, if Ring of Honor does come back, being one of their future stars. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I'm on the same boat as you. I think he's going to retain, and this should be a, a really good match. Um, I can't believe the guy's name is Brian Johnson. It, it just fucking always makes me think of Dante from Clerks. But yeah, it's well, Brian Johnson, you know, was one of the one of what Kevin Smith's friends that worked on Clerks, and that that's why I don't know. I put those two and two together for for whatever reason in my head. I got you. For sure, Broski. I know what you're talking about. Uh, all right. Uh, we have a pretty cool uh, Ring of Honor World Television Championship. It's a four-way match, but it's with Dalton Castle, the champion, going against Rhett Titus, going against Silas Young, going against Joe Hendry. I love all these guys um, for whatever reason. Joe Hendry will probably go back to the UK is what I'm assuming, but, man, he can talk on the mic like a motherfucker. He's got a great look. I hope that he gets some... Uh, some more stuff over here in the U.S. Silas Young, I hope someone picks him up. He's just this grizzled vet. And I, I think he's still in his 30s. He's got that that Greg Valentine feel where he just – and Arn Anderson, where he just looks like an old grizzled man throughout his whole entire career, but he's a badass. Brett Titus, love Brett Titus, especially watching him throughout the Pure Tournament. And you got to love Dalton Castle, who's the champion. Uh, I want Dalton to retain uh, – to give him Dalton's been there for a long time. I want this to be about if this is going to be the final time giving it to a person that deserves it. But I could see Silas Young picking it up for the same reason. And don't be surprised if a fifth person gets added to this match, especially with the news involving Tony Khan. But um, what do you think about this match, Chris, for the TV championship? 
not to be just uh, a dick writer here, but I'm kind of going to make the same pick as you. I think Dalton Castle is going to retain. This should be a very good match. I, I, this one probably go, will go 30 minutes. Um, and maybe we're going to see some streamers <laughs> when these guys come out. It, it should be fun. It's that Silas Young comparison to Greg Valentine had me cracking up over here, by the way, because he, he does look like he's been 40 for his entire career. <laughs> They're just uh, they they're like ageless, but in a different way. Where they looks like they were like forty or fifty when they were in their twenties. <laughs> and now all I can think about is that where they photoshopped Greg Valentine into the Cash Money Records photo <laughs> when he was on <laughs> AEW. <laughs> oh, Jesus, yeah, he looks stuff, like man. such a he looks like such a G. I hope he shows up at the Ring of Honor event just dressed like that. That'd be amazing. Well, it's just like seeing Arn Anderson kind of those promos in the 90s about his retirement. He's got like a fucking polo, glasses, his hair's to the side. Obviously, Kevin Nash did a really good job. Well, piss him off, but impersonating that whole entire thing. Um, he was in his fucking like early 30s. He was like 32. Like these guys, him, Greg Valentine, certain dudes, like, yeah, they reverse age, but they stay that way the whole entire fucking time. It's crazy. Yeah. Kevin Nash cost WCW a lot of money with that bullshit because uh, Ric Flair left for like a year because he was so pissed about yep. that promo and the way that they treated Arn. But that's a different story for a different day, maybe. Absolutely. Let's continue with the Ring of Honor uh, matches. We have the women's champion, uh, Roxy, going against one of their other up-and-comers, Willow Nightingale. I don't know enough about Willow. I saw her once in the uh, the the tournament itself. Roxy, just just let her have the championship going out, man. Uh, like I said, I think things will start up in a year or however long they said up to a year to be able to figure out what they want to do. But if this is like a finale for this era, if you will, uh, yeah, I'd like to see Roxy be able to keep that championship and be the only champion, I guess. Yeah, I could actually see them doing some maybe – like a run-in or something in this match with Chelsea Green since she's been on Ring of Honor TV recently. So I don't know if if they would do that or not, but that might help out their champion going forward, whether they're working in NWA or uh, GCW, which Chelsea Green has been involved in. So just to keep that championship relevant and some of the workers that they have signed to try to build up that women's division relevant, I could see them doing something like that. But uh, yeah, I'm going to go with a retain by potentially fuck finish. Yeah, definitely could see that for sure. Chelsea Green's actually involved in another match, uh, which is a six-woman uh, tag team match, three-on-three. Three. Chelsea and the Hex, Allison Kay and Marty Bell are going against uh, Miranda Elise, and Angelina Love, and Mandy Leon, the Allure. Um, I mean, Allison Kay and Marty Bell are the NWA tag team champions. Chelsea Green's a pretty big name. I love... Angelina Love, uh, you know, for certain aspects, but I don't know. I don't see this uh, being a good night for her unless Madison Rain or some other member of uh, what was their group, their faction, you know, comes down and and interferes for a ending or something like that. So, um, oh, were they the beautiful people? Yeah, Bully Ray's uh, ex, uh, who does commentary for NWA. 
uh, Angelina Love and uh, Madison Rain. So maybe one of them, yeah, does that. That's the only way I see them winning, though. It's Chelsea Green and it's the NWA Tag Team Champions. So. Yeah, and, I, and like I said, I, I, I see a lot of these females probably ending up working in NWA, who has a big focus on their women's division right now. So I, I'm going to agree with you on this one. And uh, I, I, I've never really been a big fan of Angelina Love or really the beautiful people. But uh, you're, you're talking about Velvet Sky, right? That was Bully Wife's wife. Velvet Sky, yeah. She's awesome, too. Go be a fan, Dave. <laughs> Go be a fan. <laughs> Go be a fan, Dave. Uh, Oh, man. Sorry. I hate like I mispronounced your name that time. We're even. (laughs) You know, we we, we do what we do. We do what we do. All right, so Shane Taylor Promotions, the tag team champions. Uh, Khan, Moses, maybe it's the three? The the Ring of Honor six-man tag team champions. Okay. All right, so this is their their three-on-three. I didn't know they had this, but basically Khan, Moses, O'Shea, Edwards, Khan, Moses, and O'Shea Edwards uh, are going against uh, the Righteous, Vincent, Bateman, and Dutch. Uh, I don't know anything about anyone in this besides Vincent, really. So I'm just going to go with maybe the Righteous taking those belts from um, Shane Taylor uh, Promotions. I don't know. I really don't. I, I don't know enough about the performers in this match to really give an honest opinion on who I think will win. Um and I, as you know, I'm not huge on multi-mint matches, and I don't. Hopefully, these aren't back to back. We're gonna have two trios matches in a row, so hopefully, that's just uh, this card is not necessarily in order. I'm assuming. Yeah, it's it's Wikipedia, so it's it's all over the place. <laughs> yeah, so hopefully that's not the case. That would be the only thing I would I would say about this match is I wouldn't be too excited if they did end up being back to back. This, I, I mean, it's Ring of Honor, so I'm sure it'll be a good match. I just don't know enough about the performers in it to really give an honest opinion. I got gotcha. you. Well, we got two more matches. One of them, uh, you know, we got to talk to. Probably will be the main event, but I want to talk about the uh, the big to-be-announced uh, 10-man tag team match because I think that's going to be a lot of fun. But uh, Jay Lethal, Jonathan Gresham. Bandito is the champion. I don't know if they could position something. I feel like Jonathan Gresham basically was going to win this match. So if that's the case, maybe Bandito gets stripped of it uh, and they can actually just randomly bring up this is actually for the title. That would be a cool element if they wanted to go that way. But Jonathan Gresham should beat Jay Lethal. I know he's had a losing streak right now with that in AEW, but I, I would love in any way for Jonathan Gresham to be the last ring of honor champion because he's never won it. And, uh, Jay's also been a staple, but they're best friends. See them go back and forth. I know Jonathan's making his own promotion and school, which is awesome. I hope he gets involved in some other stuff. We've talked new Japan and also AEW, and we know that Jay's obviously at AEW now. So this should be a great match. Um, probably match of the weekend. I would say for anything. Uh, yeah. What do you think, Chris? Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with Gresham as well. It, I have no problem if they put if they put the belt on Jay Lethal. Like I, it's it's much like the Briscoes. I feel like they're gonna do that in one of those two matches as a send the old fans home happy kind of thing. Uh, the real question is, is he gonna show up as Black Machismo here? I would love it. That'd be great. 
The only the only reason I could see him not doing that is because of the fact has he ever done Black Machismo and Ring of Honor, or has that been a, always an Impact thing? Besides All In, uh, no, he's done Black Machismo a couple times in Ring of Honor, specifically for things surrounding like anniversaries of Macho Man Randy Savage. So I, I don't know, as a big final event, he could do something like similar to what he did, where he was like kind of Black Machismo. Remember, he did like a partial Black Machismo, partial Jay Lethal thing in that one match a while back. Yeah, um, maybe All he'll in. do something like that. I expect Slim Jims to get thrown in the fucking ring. It's a Ring of Honor show with Jay Lethal, so either way, (laughs) we're going to get a nod, I'm sure. That's never going anywhere at all, Um, that whole entire thing. And he loves it. Uh, Like I said also within that interview with Chris Jericho, they go very in-depth into that whole entire thing, so I would check it out. All right, the last match I want to talk about, this might be the uh, semi-main event, or maybe the, the third to the women's championship, and then obviously Jonathan Gresham and Jay Lethal, I, I feel like we'll be closing out the night, regardless of the belts on the line or anything like that. But 10 man tag team match. This has just been announced. Uh, you know, I don't know who this is going to be. It's making me think, at least on Wikipedia, this might be on the pre show, and I don't know if that's the case or not. But do you think it's going to have any alums in it, man? Do you think that we're going to see? Possibly a Brian Danielson or uh, maybe Davey Richards, uh, you know, who works for MLW. But I feel like a lot of those companies probably be down to, you know, allow their competitors to go over there. But, you know, we have so many people on AEW, NWA, you know, um, MLW, all those companies that have contributed. Do you think that we'll see any big stars on this Survivor Series style match. I would, I would hope so. I, I don't know if they. I mean, I don't know why you would put that on the pre-show if you're trying to sell pay-per-views. Um, but maybe to get people to buy into the rest of the show, you would make that decision. But yeah, I mean, with everything that's been announced, this would be the place you would put that the alum. I guess the the thing is is like who's left of the Ring of Honor roster that's not already in a match as part of this five on five, right? That's the uh, the big question. Do they have any names announced for it yet? No, um, no, uh, none. So it's it's five on five. It'll be random. And I feel like even though it's it's stated as a pre-show match, maybe that was the case before, you know. AEW got kind of involved, so who knows? I have no idea. Yeah, I mean, what I'm what I'm hoping is it's not just like a bunch of AEW dudes in a five versus five match. There is some incorporation of the Ring of Honor roster. One would hope. Uh, but yeah, that I mean, that's exciting. Maybe it'll be it's like a cool war game. These guys. Yeah, I was almost like, are they going to do like a Survivor Series type match with it being five on five, like an elimination tag match? Or is it just a five on five tag match with one fall finish? Like, it's going to be interesting to see it how would that be, thing shapes out. It would be very fitting if they were able to grab five guys that they consider, you know, whoever, uh, as some of the younger guys that are like, you know, coming into it and make them go against a bunch of alum. I don't think, though. Like I said, I think that if CM Punk makes an appearance, if certain people make an appearance, it will just be like maybe a promo to talk about stuff. Um, but this is something I could see Brian Danielson being like, no, I got to be in the stupid match. Like, no, put me in. 
coach. Yeah, and it, I mean, this might be the last time that some of these guys ever get to work with Ring of Honor. So if it, if it, if that was something that was on Brian Danielson's list of shit that he wanted to do, I mean, this might be the last time he ever gets a chance to do it. So um, I could definitely see him being the guy that's like, no, I, I definitely want to be in a match. <laughs> Put me in whatever. It, it Does Hot Sauce have a match? Oh, he does? Fuck. All right, well, whatever then. All right, well, uh, you know, we were kind of talking about it. Let's go to NXT's uh, pay-per-view and uh, talk about that, um, especially the, the stuff outside of it, including, uh, you know, it seems like two people are gone, Chris, basically. But, you know, who knows? Who knows exactly what's going to happen? I'm not going over all these matches. I'll go over all the smaller matches, uh, and then we'll go over the individual War Games matches. It's so it, just to start off. It's so weird having NXT build up war games and not actually having William Regal have anything to fucking do with it and say the uh, you know the war games you know like he used to do. We'll first start off with that. Um. All right. So Imperium. Nope. No. 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 That's not. No. This is all out of order. All right. So I'll save the women's. We'll go to Imperium, like I said, going against Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner. Decent tag match. Uh, Von Wagner looked whatever. And at the end of it, uh, you know, a large uh, group of people throughout the whole entire audience was thanking Kyle O'Reilly. He started crying, and then Von Wagner attacked him. And then he beat the shit out of him. And that would kind of go into the next night of being in a cage match. Uh, whooping his ass for the most part, and then getting the uh, you know Von Wagner getting the better of him, and it also seemed like that was it for him. But uh, <sighs> I don't know. Uh, fine match. Imperium's good. Kylo's good. Von Wagner's green. Chris, I I don't give a shit about this Von Wagner guy at all. I'm already over it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's it. The big takeaway here is that Kyle O'Reilly is on his way out, seemingly. I don't know necessarily. I mean, I guess we'll get into Gargano later. I don't kind of feel the same way about that. But with Kyle O'Reilly, it does seem like the writing is kind of on the wall that he's he's gone. So uh, this is a good match, but most Kyle O'Reilly matches are. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, we have to keep on going with the next match. We had Cameron Grams going against Duke Hudson and a hair versus hair match. Ten minute match. Cameron Grimes won and, uh, you know, shaved Duke Hudson a little bit. Not really a lot. People are forgetting what Molly Holly put herself through by just shaving fucking two pieces off your goddamn head and running away. You know, she allowed all of her hair to be shaved on WrestleMania. It's ridiculous, Chris. Yeah, I don't understand why this was a hair versus hair match. Duke Hudson doesn't have that much hair to fucking begin with. It's almost like when Kurt Angle did a hair versus hair match, remember? With Edge. But it, with Edge. But it, he got his fucking head shaved completely bald and was bleeding from some of it. Yeah, they made it look way more... That's the big thing, is that it didn't even look like 
there was any effect at all of Duke, on Duke Hudson for losing this match. So it's like, well, why didn't they just have a fucking normal match at that point? Silly, silly. Roderick Strong went against uh, Joe Gacy and beat him. It was for the NXT Cruiserweight. So thank God we got around that. I don't remember this match at all. <laughs> I'm sure Roderick Strong looked really good in it. I'm sure that Joe Gacy was whatever. Harlan probably got involved. I have no idea. I, I don't remember this, Chris. It was a decent match. I, I'm not a big fan of Joe Gacy or his character. I think he, like, kills the show every time he comes on. <laughs> but, He's got uh, go-away heat with you. Yes, for sure. I think with a lot of people, actually. But, uh, yeah, I, I, this the entire NXT roster right now I am not hugely impressed with, especially knowing that eventually they're going to be losing Kyle O'Reilly and probably Roderick Strong somewhere down the line. Um, just a weird time period for NXT. I, I thought this match was was good. It does seem like they just gave Roderick Strong a, a title to give him a title. All right. Well, what is the next match? Let's talk about the uh, women's uh, War Games match that was the first match on the card. Cora Jade, Io Shirai, Kaylee Ray, Raquel Gonzalez uh, defeated Dakota Kai, Toxic Attraction, which is Gigi Dolan, JC Jane, and Mandy Rose. Um, I'm I'm kind of like indifferent about a couple things. Uh, if you were going to use that whole entire concept with this new star they're trying to get over, Core Jade, who's 20 years old, you know, can't even friggin' legally drink. Uh, her doing that awesome swanton through the table and getting her shoulder dislocated. It probably should have been the end of the match, and it really would have been actually funnier, I feel, um, after doing that type of spot. Uh, you know, if Io Shirai did that after the match, like, no, no, I got this, but she, that was still one of the best moments in the match when Io Shirai was like, oh, don't worry, don't worry. Just like, and she like put her knee on her back and she like put it back in place. She was screaming. Um, it was a good match. It was 31 minutes. I mean, it's a war games match and the baby faces won. So there you go. Yeah, that was the biggest surprise to me is that the baby faces actually got a win here. I thought for sure they were just going to go with Mandy Rose winning for some reason but why why is mandy rose on nxt anyways like they've spent so much time building her up on the main roster with promos and in pushes here and there like has anyone said why she was moved down to nxt do they think she needs more training or is was it just like i don't get why she's even there we have nothing for you. Uh, you can get the belt down at NXT. And she was probably like, yeah. And then NXT became NXT 2.0. <laughs> and then that's where she went. That's what I'm assuming. At least the women's division is still pretty strong. Um, even with a lot of these people being young and green. They, I fucking it's love still very, Io. Yeah, is great. <laughs> Putting I'm shoulders still... back in place since 1998, man. <laughs> Io Shirai is uh, one of the bright spots on the NXT roster for sure. I'm still surprised they haven't ever called her up to the main roster. That just seems crazy. For Didn't she hold the belt for like 
400 days or something crazy in NXT. Like, who, there, who's left for her to fight at this point, really? Don't worry, she'll probably be in a, in a um, ridiculously just awful tag team with Asuka to give Asuka something to do called, like, the Kabuki Warriors. Wait, I think that's already been done before. Huh. Asuka's still in WWE? <laughs> I haven't seen her in fucking years, it feels like. I, I, I still know. think they're saving her for Rumble, but, um, yeah, I miss Asuka. I have to go and watch her YouTube now just to see her. <laughs> go grocery shopping or whatnot. Yeah, it's like the weirdest YouTube channel ever. And the, whoever does the editing on it's fucking hilarious, <laughs> by the way. It's definitely worth a watch if you guys have never watched, uh, e- or not EO, but Asuka's YouTube. It's just her cooking random shit or going grocery shopping or buying clothes. It's kind of, it's like a weird vlog, basically. Or cooking meth, I heard. Um, maybe that was a different show. <laughs> I don't remember cooking any meth. She's out at the, <laughs> she's out at the Briscoe's farm making meth. That's meth and moonshine. <laughs> All right, uh, last match. Another War Games match. Team 2.0. Braun Breaker, Carmelo Hayes. Grayson Waller and Tony D'Angelo uh, beat Johnny Gargano, LA Knight, Pete Dunn, and the NXT champion, Tommaso Ciampa. <sighs> uh, this was a good match for the most part, but the one thing I have to say is, like, pick if you're going to have two of them, that's fine. I don't have a problem with the women use the tables because, honestly, they're – even if I thought it was placed at a, at a, uh, a wrong place in the match, their table spot – had more meaning. You, you you guys can just beat the shit out of each other. <clears throat> so I think they become sometimes too dependent on weapons in these matches. I wish they would kind of correct that, but still a fun match. We know that Tim, uh, Team 2, 2.0 was going to win, and it ended with what I thought was going to happen. Braun Breaker standing tall, getting every corner, and just looking like a million bucks. But uh, this is the end of the era, if you will. Um Kind of wonder why the fuck Pete Dunne re-signed recently. Mm, uh, yeah, that's a really good question, right? I mean, does it matter if you re-sign at this point? They're just going to fire you anyways down the line. <laughs> at least he's still in his 20s, so he's got time, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, he's someone that, to me, has he's already wrestled on the main roster. Like, if they were going to do something with him, you think they would have already pulled the trigger on it by now. Yeah, you would think. Um, but what the hell do I know? Matt Riddle was on this week's NXT 2.0. I have no what, no idea what the fuck that's about. Um, <laughs> what's they're weird. It's a weird company right now. Uh, I was not surprised oh, that Jesus. Braun Breaker got the win here, though. That was uh, I thought that was pretty much a foregone conclusion. I don't really see that guy losing too often. Yeah, Braun Breaker is a badass. He looks awesome. He definitely, like I said, he's he gives me. Obviously, his his two his uncle and his father uh, for different reasons, but you know, young John Cena, I've said, and I've definitely said Bill Goldberg as well, and uh, you know, apparently uh, Bill's his uncle pretty much, so uh, he's he's been there for him, and so has Scott apparently seasoning him along with his father. So, uh, 
not bad guys, I would say, I guess, as, as, as long as you don't go down the, the uh, route of Goldberg and stop doing backflips and start actually fucking clotheslining people and giving them concussions and shit like that. So. Yeah, I'm glad that he takes more after his father and uncle as far as in-ring wrestling goes than Goldberg. Yeah. <laughs> That's you, you, you can get advice from Goldberg because obviously he was a superstar and you know he'll he'll give some good pointers in that realm, but uh stick with your fucking family. <laughs> and uh <laughs> Yeah, that'll be good. He's great, man. He's fucking I feel like he's foolproof, but I said that about Velveteen Dream, and obviously that went that way, and I said that about Karrion Cross, and that fucking happened to that, and fuck, I, I don't know, man. Vince is, uh, Vince is amazing. It's like the, after that one generation where it was like Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, and all the uh, Ring of Honor or New Japan guys that came in there, uh, it was like, all right, we're going to make sure we fuck up all of you after this. So, who knows? <laughs> I mean, the, the only the difference, I guess, the primary difference between those guys is that Braun Breaker is an in-house built talent that's going to just work 2. the 0. style. He's going to be the style that Vince wants him to work. I mean, he he was basically just clay. So, you know, they've been able to mold this guy into what they think is the perfect WWE superstar. So I don't see them missing on him uh, like they have someone like Keith Lee or, like you said, Kerry and Cross, like. Braun Breaker is pretty much set in stone of what Braun Breaker is going to be for the rest of his career. So it's just more about how they book him once he gets to the main roster, which I don't think is going to be too far off. Even if he does get a title run, I don't know that they won't just do what they did with Kevin Owens and have him come up while being an NXT champion or, or something of that nature. Um, God, I, I was going to say, have the, has the Steiners been inducted into the Hall of Fame? No, because of fucking... Stupid bullshit with Scott and fucking Triple H taking shots at each other throughout the years and uh, in in interviews and shit like that. So there there's a lot of heat between the two of them, apparently, but they should be fucking in the Hall of Fame. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I'm assuming that they might be getting inducted. They might get inducted this year and have Braun do the uh, induction for them. That would be great. That would be awesome, man. I mean... <sighs> Now I kind of want, after last night on Rampage, I want uh, Hook and fucking Braun Breaker and a tag team together. The <laughs> the, stu- the son of Taz, who looks like a badass. He looks like a little anime character, like some kid that's just like, you know, don't fuck with me sort of thing. So, And then obviously Braun Breaker looks like a monster. He he's His physique, man, he looks like, you know, he's doing whatever fucking... Um, uh, the hell's the uh, MMA guy that we were talking about earlier this week? Um, wow, I can't believe Conor McGregor. Are they on the juice? It's Conor McGregor specifically, <laughs> Chris, on the juice because he looks like fucking Macho Man Randy Savage and Popeye had a baby. Now, I don't, I don't know, man. It's always hard to tell with Conor because he's always been that guy that goes multiple weight classes. So I don't know that it, if he just started lifting when he fucking his leg disintegrated in that last match. <laughs> Maybe he was only able to do upper body training for the past six months. I don't know. Um, the last thing I really saw of him outside of just those, the photos that he's been posting was that shit where he tried to fight one of the Paul brothers and got kicked out of an award show. No, he fucking tried to fight MGK thinking that he was one of the Paul brothers. Dumbass. Oh, right. That's what it was. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I love Connor. Hey, I'm glad that, you know, I, I know that he's talked about loving Randy Savage and Ric Flair and stuff like that. But, man, that beard, 
It's like he looks like fucking Randy Savage. Just swole <laughs> as hell. It looks like he's going to pro wrestling. So, uh, you know, I've been saying it for a long time. Connor, come over to the dark side. You'd be perfect for it. And look like that. Yeah, and also, so like he's just a ten he's fucking like a pounds of muscle. He's like such a natural fucking heel at this point. Also, that it's... I mean, he's kind of like the perfect guy to bring in somewhere. I just, you know, it just feels like a WWE thing, though, right? Yeah. He'd be perfect for AEW, though, with them allowing a little more attitude, if you will, than uh, WWE. But it seems like someone like him, it's going to be like, uh, what's his name? The uh, the Olympian that's getting trained right now, Gable Steveson. Like, WWE was the, the thing that he watched as a kid. So that's probably more so. Or Ronda Rousey. You know, yeah. Like, okay, this Gable Stevenson stuff. They signed his brother as well, and then immediately changed his fucking name. What is? What was? What He's was had the one point match of that? Too. He had one match, and that's it so far. Like, <laughs> and, and the girl that they've been promoting, I can't think of her name, but she was a former Olympian, and they changed her name. It's like, what? The, what the, I know that I know what they're trying to do, but what the fuck is the point of signing these Olympians and? Talking about them being Olympians, but then changing their names. Well, let so me explain to you, Chris. <laughs> they didn't win the gold medal. Here's yeah, but if you, I mean, but, but yeah, but if you go to Google search them <laughs> or like look up their Olympic records or stats, you're going to have no fucking clue who they are. So it just kind of leads you to believe like, hey, is that just part of the gimmick or was she actually an Olympian? So stupid. It's dumb. such a dumb thing that they do. All right, uh, let's keep on going. Um, We've got to talk about Matt Cardona showing up at NWA's pay-per-view last weekend after Trevor Murdoch won his match. He came out and beat the living fuck out of him and did an interview. Basically, he's going for that belt. And if this is now Matt Cardona until he decides to maybe settle down, if you will, with one place, whether that be Impact, AEW, or wherever, if he's going to these other organizations, I want fucking Matt Cardona to win the NWA title. I'm telling you, man. Um, I, Trevor's had it for a minute now since he beat, uh, you know. Uh, uh, wow, I, I can't remember his name. That's not good. Uh, since he uh, won uh, it. Nick Aldis. Nick Aldis. Yes, thank yeah. you. Sorry about that. Had a little brain fart. But, yeah, since he beat Nick Aldis, he's had it for a minute, defended it a couple times. I would love Matt Cardona to win that. And it's like GCW to NWA. What a fucking difference between those two organizations, Chris. Yeah, but Matt Cardona can just be the same fucking character, right? Yeah, because I mean, that's I mean, what he's doing. He's, he doesn't have to really change anything. I mean, I know he's had like one one death match with Nick Gage, obviously, but the most of the shit he's done in GCW is just normal ass matches um, and just getting ultra heel heat by not being one of their guys, you know? So, I mean, he could do the same thing in NWO or NWA, not NWO. Uh, he would fucking love that, Mark. But uh, <laughs> he, he should be great for NWA. Really and I, I think this is going to be, if he wins the title, the feud has to be him and Nick Aldis, right? And this is maybe a chance to turn Nick Aldis into a babyface for a while. Sure. They would have a fucking fantastic match, too. I kind of like I said I, I've said in the past I, I hope this may be the same path for someone like a Frank Kazarian, uh, but Matt Cardona is another person that kind of and he's a guy that's like AEW, GCW, Impact, and now NWA. He's been a part of all of those organizations, 
and he's still doing stuff in Impact. So if he's collecting world title belts, even if he has a short-ass reign and is a heel and loses to the next guy, that would still be a fucking awesome legacy if he just kind of goes over, he beats whoever for the Impact title while he's there at some point. He beats, you know, uh, Trevor Murdoch for the NWA. He already beat Nick Cage in GCW. Same thing with AEW. Maybe he beats Sammy or whoever has it for the TNT. I love what he's doing, and uh, I'm sure he'll end up at one specific company. But in the meantime, man, who the fuck's doing better than Matt Cardona when it comes to jumping between all these big organizations? No one. I mean, he truly feels like an old school wrestler. Like, he's just running to different territories. <laughs> he's coming in to make the territory better and then leaving. Um, <laughs> which is great. I mean, I don't, at this point, I don't even know if he needs to wrestle anymore. I think he's just doing it to do it. Cause like, I know that that podcast and, and all the merch that they sell, um, based on what I can't remember the major wrestling figures podcast or whatever. I know they're making a ton of fucking money off that alone. So it's, if this is what he wants to do, if he doesn't want to settle down to one company, I don't think it's hurting him at all. It seems like he's having the most fun he's had in wrestling in a very long time. And yep. uh, he, he's been fucking great in GCW. Man, it was hilarious when he dressed up like Vince <laughs> not that long ago. <laughs> like in so Vince's great. wrestling sweats. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, I've really enjoyed him, and I think he's a great addition to NWA, even if it's just for a short stint. Um, I have no problem with him winning the title from Trevor Murdoch. It was fun to see Trevor win the title, though, because it just seems like like that's something I never he's thought I would see. And he's he is like what NWA is all about, trying to go back to those old days of wrestling. He's I mean, he's kind of spot on. He looks like he came out of a fucking time machine. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So, uh. We have two more news items that are not the uh, the happiest uh, ones by any means at all. So I hate to end on a damper note, but we have some updates with, with the, the the actual last uh, news item. So before that, uh, Chris, Jeff Hardy, released by the WWE. We know that recently, and this has been a problem for a while actually, uh, with house shows, They've had some incidents or with dark matches uh, as of recently. But Jeff Hardy notably was in a tag team. Uh, he was getting worked by, f I forgot who. He tagged in Drew McIntyre and just left through the audience. Uh, went through the arena, didn't say shit to WWE while the people were just, you know, flabbergasted that were tagging with them, uh, you know, and uh, left. Got in his car and got the fuck out of there. There was a lot of video. There's no, you know, the assumption is going to go back to alcohol and his issues with his demons and drugs and that. Uh, but there's, you know, even the footage, it didn't seem like he, he might have been just unhappy. Uh, but WWE ended up uh, releasing him based on this. Um, I don't know if there was a request by him beforehand, but that is... The major news item. I feel bad for Drew because he was involved in that whole entire Montez Ford thing not too long ago. Uh, but, man, uh, I hope the best for Jeff Hardy. He's one of my favorites of all time. Uh, you know, I th this is not like, uh, wow, he's released so he can go to AEW. I hope he's got his head straight. 
I know his wife kind of chimed in and, and said some vague stuff. Um, I just hope that he's healthy. He's okay. I know he's going to be doing fine if he wants to continue wrestling after this, but it's his sobriety that I do worry about. Um, maybe he has nothing to do with that. It just Maybe he was really unhappy with what was going on uh, with him in WWE. We've talked about it before, but he's a legend. He should be treated as such. Hope he's over his demons, and I hope the best for him in his future endeavors. Is that what you say? I don't I've heard that before. Chris, what, what do you think? I mean, the way the video looked to me is that he just took his ball and went home Stone Cold Steve Austin style. He was just like, fuck this. Like, I don't need this. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how the video played out. But then I guess what was it? Sean Ross Sapp came out and said that WWE had offered to put him back in rehab. And he yep. did have a lapse in his sobriety last year. Didn't he get a DUI last year? That was, I believe, two years ago, and then WWE decided to make an angle uh, probably about six months afterwards involving him getting in a fucking... That was really tasteless, basically. Not a good... Like, it didn't work with Hawk. didn't work with WCW and Scott Hall. Quit making fucking angles when your actual wrestlers are going through drug problems. Jake Snake Roberts. It's really tasteless. Yeah, they, like, staged that he had crashed a car, right? And it was really Seamus. That was the angle. That was so fucking terrible. But see, this would also lead you to believe that maybe Jeff Hardy's like, this company doesn't know what the fuck they're doing, and I definitely don't want to work here, so I'm just going to fucking leave. <laughs> if we're being completely think, honest. Do you think there was any talks? Because we heard rumors that when he came back in, they had big plans for him. Do you think there was any talks to keep him there when he re-signed? Of, we're going to give you the belt in the future, and that's obviously not happening. I mean, it sounds like, I mean, why else would he have signed a, a three-year deal when his brother was leaving? Unless there was, unless he thought he was going to be having big WrestleMania matches or something. I mean, because otherwise I would assume that AEW would have signed both him and Matt, right? Yep. So, so I, I don't know. It's weird to me, like, you've had Jeff Hardy there for so long, who is easily just as big of a name as Edge. But yep. even the fans have kind of soured on this guy because you've done dick all with him. So I actually feel for Jeff. Like you said, I hope that he's in the right head state and this isn't a sobriety thing. Maybe it is just a WWE thing. Uh, but who knows? I mean, WWE is definitely playing it off as there's something more sinister going on. If, if people are actually reporting the WWE uh, offered to send him to rehab. But I guess we'll... We'll know if Jeff comes out and says something, right? That's the next step. I mean, soon he'll be able to say whatever he wants to say, so we'll find out. I just, Like I said, I hope this is not anything drug or alcohol-related because of his past. I hope this wasn't a relapse. Um, maybe he was frustrated, and the person in me also, you know, I understand people are going to fucking get mad at me about this. AEW should definitely grab Jeff Hardy. If you get a chance to have the Hardy brothers as a fucking tag team within your amazing division and also Jeff by himself, him and Darby Allen having a fucking thing sounds amazing. He might be able to bring Matt out of obscurity. You know, there's a lot of good potential in that. Uh, I would definitely fucking sign him, but this is more than signing in another wrestling company. This is Jeff's health. I hope it's good. And if he's frustrated that much, you know, maybe this is for the better, I guess.
Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with you a hundred percent, but uh, yeah, I mean, if, if he's healthy and in, in the right state of mind, yeah, it makes sense to sign him to AEW. I think a lot of people want to see him versus Darby with the comparisons yep. and uh, you know, the Hardys versus uh, Darby and sting. That could be a hell of a lot of fun. Like there's tons of stuff you can do with the guy. It's that's why it's so baffling how WWE has booked him over the past what three years at this point, four years. Yeah, beat the beat the new guy real quick the first match, and then you're gonna get your ass beat two matches in a row afterwards, and that's what you're gonna do on repeat for the next fucking two years. Oh, and and then they're gonna fire the guy that beat you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <So>. exactly. <laughs> Oh, God dang it. So, I mean, there's a lot of reasons that Jeff Hardy may have just been like, you know what? Fuck this. All right. So, Fozzie is on the Save the World Tour in the UK. They had to cancel an event because uh, Jeff, or Jeff, Chris Jericho was uh, hospitalized in the UK uh, two nights ago. And apparently, this was on Thursday evening when it happened. They couldn't make the Friday show on their tour. Uh, Chris has now gone on the record and said that he's fine, you know, and that he's doing good. It was non-COVID related, but that's the only information that we got. Uh, my, I mean, my idea of what might be happening is two different things. Maybe he was really stressed out because of life. He's got a lot of shit that he's doing. Maybe he had a panic attack. Who knows? Or the fact that we know that Chris is a partier. He's half rock star, half pro wrestler. Maybe he drank a little bit too much. I just, you know, I hope this isn't anything serious. And, you know, they're going to redo that that show. Um, it's unfortunate what happened, but, you know, it's it's more important with, uh, with Chris's health. And I'm glad it wasn't anything COVID-related. Chris. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's okay now. I, I was worried that it was like a heart attack or something, just because he is yep. from that time period of wrestlers um, that have had those kind of health issues. I mean, even look at like Triple H recently, right? So when I first heard that, I was like, did he have some like kind of cardiac problem? Or the other thought was uh, maybe he just partied too hard, <laughs> like you said, and got dehydrated and had to go get fluids or something. Uh, it's It's hard to tell, but... Glad he's okay, and um, I mean, like you said, he's going to finish up that tour and I guess be back in AEW before we know it. Yep, after the uh, the the scary jumping from two point or what what the hell are they called? Is it is it two point No, that it, that's NXT. Whatever the fuck the Canadian guys are. Hopefully, we'll have Eddie Kingston and Chris Jericho versus the two of them very soon, so they can. So they can, you know, get past them. I really actually do like them as a tag team. They do remind me of the Quebecers and just two douchebag, you know, French-Canadian guys that just fuck people up for no reason. So good on them. What the hell are they called? Is it 2.0? It's Daniel Garcia. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. I don't even remember their fucking NXT name. I think their team name is 2.0, actually. But it, my only thing about them is that uh, they kind of just get pushed into random feuds. Like, there hasn't been as much build-up. Like, that weird, when they were attacking Darby and Sting, just kind of out of the blue. Just yeah. weird, weird on how they've kind of been booked. But uh, Jericho and Kingston versus 2.0, that should be fun. 
if they go that route. Should be interesting. It definitely should. Um, by the way, Daniel Garcia, this is kind of like a mini news item. We can talk about this real quick. Daniel, uh, damn it, I almost spoke unholy. Brian Danielson uh, said that he would love to have – he kind of made it sound like he wants his own uh, – and I know that there's fucking six billion factions, and three of them really should be eliminated altogether off the goddamn show. But um, he wants his own, like uh, – <sighs> Kurt Angle had uh, Team Angle. He wants something like that, two badass, you know, shooters. But he definitely named Daniel Garcia as someone that reminds him of himself, and he would love to be able to, you know, be in some type of group with him. So uh, I know that's the thing. It's like Malachi Black talked about the House of Black getting bigger, and with him spraying uh, what's-her-name-in-the-face that we'll talk about, uh, I'm hoping maybe that draws him to taking a liking specifically to um, Brian Pillman Jr. and maybe kind of having him go down a darker track a la Raven with the flock or something like that. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Uh, I know we have all these groups. Do you want Malachi and Brian Danielson to have uh, members of a group with them, or are you kind of factioned out, Chris? I mean, I think they're two guys that don't need a faction. That's my biggest thing about, like, why why does Daniel Bryan need or Brian Danielson need a faction? He has he, the only person he's lost to no is idea. fucking. I mean, he's only lost to Kenny. <laughs> There's I don't. He, he's a guy that to me doesn't need a faction, uh, especially knowing you know if like Kyle O'Reilly is getting out, isn't he going to be? Aren't they going to be starting an undisputed error kind of thing? <laughs> so there's another one. Um, unless they're going to have like a trio's title or something. Now, I mean, if they're going to do something like that, maybe it would make sense to have this many factions. But just offhand, no, I'm I'm kind of good with Malachi and, and Brian Danielson not having factions. I tend to agree with you, and we'll we'll go more into it when we talk about Dynamite. Real quick, let's go over some stuff involving Raw and then NXT before we get to the meat of this, if you will. So, Raw was. Was fine. It's still fucking three hours. They started off with a bang with having Big Ego against Kevin Owens in the cage match. Um, it's got screwy with Seth Rollins towards the end. These guys are going to be going against each other, obviously, for the title at the next pay-per-view. Uh, Queen Zelina went against Nikki Ash. Uh, I don't remember it at all. Um, so there you go. Street Profits going against AJ Styles and Almas. That's actually a really good match. Almas has really shown, Chris, I would say, that he's a good performer. It's not just about like the fact that he's able to move pretty damn well for his size. He gets the performance aspect of professional wrestling, I think, really well. So, um, Damian Priest, Robert Roode for the U.S. title, awesome match, probably match of the night. Um, you know, obviously Priest won, but you know he got to that point where he got extremely aggressive. Thank, thankfully, he didn't. Eliminate himself. Dewdrop and Bianca Belair had an awesome match, too. Dewdrop's definitely going more heelish. Fucking change her name back to Piper Niven, for Christ's sakes. And uh, Miss TV was a great segment with Edge. Anything right now looking out at you? What did you see from Raw? Obviously, we don't cover it uh, fully, but do you have any um, comments on highlights about it? Uh, the U.S. title match was great. That was that was the U.S. title match, right? Damian Priest and... Um... Fuck, why am I blinking on his name right now? Uh, Robert Roode, Bobby Roode. Um, 
Man, it's weird that Bobby Roode is still in this company with all the other people they've released. Oh, God. <laughs> but this that was probably my favorite match of the night. I, the second would probably have been the Kevin Owens Big E match outside of the kind of fucky finish. Um, I don't know why WWE does this. You you kill the gimmick of having a cage match if you're just going to have interference every time there's a fucking cage match. Yep. The, the, the entire idea of having a cage is to keep people out. So it, it kind of just makes it useless if you're going to, you know, fuck over the gimmick every time you, you do it. it. It makes it pointless to even bring the damn cage and have some poor ring crew have to set that shit up. Oh, um, shit. But, yeah, it's it's the rest of it was fine. I agree with you on Dewdrop. She definitely needs to be a heel. Um, I skimmed through some of Raw, so I didn't see Miz TV. But... Uh, was that how? How did that go? Did they do anything groundbreaking there? Or was it just Miz and Edge dissing each other? It was good. Um, I have a little breakdown from Bleacher Report in which I'm getting these reviews. Thank you, Bleacher Report, for not having shitty ones like a lot of the other websites. But uh, the Miz was out for another uh, talk show with Edge as a special guest. He gushed about the compliments uh, Edge paid him last week before bringing him out to a hot crowd. The A-lister said the old Edge would have separated him last week or speared him last week, and it's an indication that he has become weak both mentally and physically. Edge said that he was trying uh, to be kind, and The Miz said he could have used uh, a little kindness when he was being kicked out of the locker room and being forced to dress in the hallway. He accused Edge of trying to protect his spot just like everybody else because they were jealous of his success pre-WWE. The Miz challenged him to a match at day one, and Edge accepted. Edge even suggested they just fight right then and there, and the A-lister did not want to dirty his $9,000 shoes. Edge made him fall by pretending to lunge towards him. Uh, before exiting. It was pretty funny. And Miz sold it. Like, I legitimately thought that he was angry. Really, really good at that. Just, like, bucked at him real quick. And Edge or and, uh, Miz fell on his ass. Uh, just good stuff back and forth. I'm kind of getting sick of... I, I feel like it's not his fault because Miz is getting fucking dialogue. Can we stop going to the whole, like, Miz was screwed by this said wrestler for back in the day, not saying anything about him ha- not being allowed in the locker room. I think it's just getting old. But uh, the good stuff between two good competitors, and I think this should be that should be a good match, Chris. Yeah, I mean, you know, Miz is one of the few people that they actually let have stay on his promos, so maybe that's just more of a Miz thing than an actual writing thing. But sounds yeah. like it was a pretty good segment. Um, Miz's promos tend to be better when he does draw from the past, like similar to like when he was – on Talking Smack and feuding with Daniel Bryan there for a little bit. So those tend to be the better of the Miz promos. Not that he's a bad promo, just when he's able to dial in some of that anger and frustration from the past of those promos tend to be a little better. Yeah, no, I I agree with you. Definitely. Uh, Ric Flair on his podcast, which by the way, Great podcast. Uh, Ric Flair has four episodes out. It's called Ric Flair Uncensored. Uh, Mark Mark Madden does the interviewing. Um, I think that's his name. Old WCW fucking announcer and shit. Um, 
really good stuff. But they, he said that Edge, he feels, has been doing the best promos of his career. And I think that acting on the on Vikings really helped him out, honestly. He just understands it on a different level, Chris, now. Yeah, I mean, because he went away from WWE and worked on Haven and, and, like you said, Vikings. I think a lot of that has helped. And, and maybe, you know, him not actually having to be the top guy like he was on SmackDown, you're not hearing as many of his promos. He's not doing, a, like, he wasn't doing promos. Every, he's not doing promos every week like he was when he was the rated R superstar. Um so that probably plays a lot into it as well. I mean, he was a really good promo even back then. Like, if you go back and, like, look at the, some of the feuds with The Undertaker, for instance, that that's some pretty good shit. Yeah. Yeah. When Edge was channeling his inner uh, Roddy Roddy Piper a little bit, just being devious as hell, I thought that his promos were awesome. But now, as a babyface, I'm thinking that he can get that emotional level and the inflection in his voice when he gets aggressive – it's like he understands it on a different level now because of acting on a mainstream show, I would say. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I would have to agree with that. All right. The, uh, the last two matches before the main event, Mysterios and Alpha Academy had a pretty good match. And uh, T-Bar and Finn Balor had an awesome match. Finn Balor went over, but T-Bar looked really good. Get this guy out of the fucking T-Bar shit. Like, just have him look normal if he's going to lose. He has great matches with everyone. Just a fucking waste. But anyways, Austin Theory has been called out a little bit by Vince McMahon. They've had these segments. Kind of stupid, involving the fucking egg from the Rock movie. But it ended up with, like, Vince building him up, and he decided he wanted to impress Vince. So what did he do? He went and attacked Finn Balor after losing. Uh, And looks like we're going to get Austin Theory and Finn Balor in a feud. So that should be fucking awesome. Should be if they actually give the time, give give them fucking time to work, and uh, maybe Finn Balor dials back the smiley, happy Finn Balor shit. But that should be a really good match if they give them, you know, the proper amount of time. Do you think, since he wanted to be in these segments with them, that Vince likes the look at least of Austin Theory? I mean, I would have to say so, and he definitely. You know, Austin Theory is working more of a WWE style in comparison to what he was doing to Evolve. Uh, he's one of the guys we said that we felt like they couldn't miss on and that he would be a Vince guy just because he looks – I mean, he looks the part, right? I, I know he is a shorter guy, but he, he's like a fucking – kind of a mini John Cena to some extent. <laughs> Obviously, their in-ring yep. style is different, but he has that look. And, uh, you know, Vince loves guys that – pretty much live in the gym, which he fits that bill. Well, good for him. All right, well, Becky Lynch and Liv Morgan, uh, Raw Women's Championship match. Good match back and forth. Um, Morgan countered the manhandle slam. Lynch rolled her over and, just like Charlotte, grabbed the ropes to get the win. This is a really good match back and forth between two competitors. Um, And I think that that means we're going to extend this feud going forward. Uh, And I... I think Becky, based on promos, honestly, has been handling the heel turn pretty well. I still think it was unnecessary, but I'm glad that they're giving Liv Morgan uh, this much of a spotlight. Good good main event, I would say. But, um, yeah, that, that was raw, Chris. So Liv Morgan caught another loss. That, I mean, that's the only problem here is that eventually she has to win or no one's going to take her fucking serious, right? Yep. 
I would have like, just put the fucking title on her. Like, who has she beat? <laughs> I can't remember the last time she's won a fucking match. I don't know. Uh, all right, well, we go from Monday to Tuesday. Let's talk at least about these two. Well, we don't know if they're, uh, they're gone, but, you know, NXT. We had war games. We had everyone, you know, the new guys going over. Afterwards, there's video clips that you can find online of Johnny Gargano and Kyle O'Reilly kind of, like, coming out and, like, hugging people and stuff like that, you know, them celebrating. Um, And then on the show itself, we have Johnny Gargano in the main event. Um, You know, I I believe – I honestly can't remember exactly who the hell he went against, but all I know is that he got attacked and beaten up by that really annoying Australian dude that was involved in war games, whose name honestly doesn't really matter if I, I remember or not. And obviously Von Wagner in the cage match beat Kyle O'Reilly and beat the crap out of him afterwards. So it really does sound like Johnny and Kyle are gone. Um, and apparently, you know, not as soon as their contracts, but I found out recently that Candice LeRae's contract's coming up in the next, like, couple months. So I don't know what the hell's going on. That's another person, like, you know, I would say, like a uh, Serena Deeb to an extent, a good teacher, wrestler, if you will. Uh, if you were able to get her in AEW, I would. Candice LeRae is actually a really good fucking wrestler, and she's best friends with the Young Bucks and all of those guys. So uh, I don't know if that's going to happen or not. All I know is that it seems by many things, Johnny doing, that's right, Johnny wasn't even going in a match. She just had a great promo that he fucking was saying goodbye to everyone and then got attacked afterwards by that douchebag. So I don't know, Chris, do you think that, it, it, do you think that Kyle and Johnny are gone? I think Kyle is gone. I don't think Johnny is gone just because the way that that promo went and some of the things he said and mentioned seems like they have a storyline built around it and that he might be being re-signed. So I'm going to say Kyle is gone and, and Johnny might be sticking around. To what extent, very, very I, I don't know. That's a very good prediction. I think that, that you could definitely be right on that. It just, uh, you know, just like with Ciampa, if Johnny sees, if he's happy where what he's done within his career, and he's even saying, all right, I extend this and we'll see what I want to do in however amount of years, hey, maybe there'll be more, you know, space for me in an AEW by then or, or I can – Look at the industry different by then, you know, by by signing on for three to four years. Or maybe he just is like, fuck it, I'll have a couple more years and then I'll retire and I'll become a coach. It just depends on what Johnny wants to do within his career. But I, I don't think it should have gone to that level. I, I think that it sucks that the option of going to the main roster and being taken seriously is just out of, you know, anyone's head. And I think that's for a good reason. I think that Johnny is a great fucking baby face. He was an all right heel. He was a perfect baby face, though. And, uh, you know, based on his size, he's the fucking same size as Sean. Like, literally, they've been right next to each other. So I I don't understand that concept at all. I think he could have gotten over. Kyle is a little different because of the fact that I think he's a great tag wrestler. So if it were to have been WWE, it would have been him and Bobby Fish on the main roster, and we know they don't take tag wrestling serious. So Kyle seems better fitted for AEW to add in to that whole entire element. That's one of the best tag teams in the last 10 years is, uh, is Red Dragon. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but great, great 
uh, promo regardless uh, from Johnny. Um, even if it's setting up something and it's all a swerve. Good stuff. Yeah, I have to agree. I, the promo was was great. and I, I mean, I just assume that him and Candice LeRae are going to resign. It's weird that WWE doesn't get this done <laughs> sooner. You know, like, why are you waiting like two to three weeks before his contract's up to try to get this uh, squared away? But I don't know if if they wanted them if they wanted Kyle and Johnny gone they probably would have already released them right so I'm assuming they've offered contracts to both guys like you said with Kyle he's pretty much at the level that they're always going to use him at um, yeah. I don't think they have faith in his promo work and I mean I think he's had a pretty good singles run as of late but he's not I don't think that he's a guy that you know, he's probably going to fall more into like a Dolph Ziggler type role, even on NXT at this point. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I'll have to find out, but uh, just interesting stuff nonetheless when it comes to the two of them and knowing that in a couple of months, apparently Candice and Tommaso are not far behind uh, with their contract. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, just interesting stuff. Let's go to... The next night of shows, Wednesday night, and we had a, I, I, this is one of the weirdest fucking wrestling shows I've ever seen, period. Just because of the fact that, because he said it, he willed it into existence, and Long Island had MJF's back so fucking much throughout this whole entire night that it was ridiculous, but amazing, too, at the same time. So I love this Dynamite. Uh, starts off with, well, MJF's music hits, and everyone goes fucking crazy. I don't think, I really don't think that CM Punk, I don't think Tony Khan, I don't think MJF really realized that this would actually work out so well. But uh, CM Punk comes out afterwards, no music, and just a chorus of boos. And I don't think he was expecting to be treated that way, because it looks, honestly, in his promo, he was good. But it looked like he was offset. Uh, he kept on, you know, doing the whole forbidden fruit that he gave shit for MJF, talking about the, the Islanders. Went back to that about three or four times. But still funny stuff, uh, you know, talking about it, he made a theme for it. Is that your guy? So, you know, good little wrestling, uh, I guess, thing to work off of uh, for your promo. Um and just kept on going into them and shit like that. And the audience was not having them. They were worse than most audiences have been, I will say, with Cody lately. <laughs> two, two. There was definitely some people that were there for CM Punk and shit like that. But that got drowned out by booze really fucking quickly. He even had a four-pillar shirt that had MJF replaced by Britt Baker, which was awesome. Kind of addressed that whole situation and the stupid comments uh, that MJF made the, the week previous. MJF didn't come out. We would know soon afterwards why. But, uh, you know, he just talked about how much of a pussy he is, basically, to his hometown and got obliterated by them. And I really honestly don't think that he expected it to be to that level. But, uh, Chris, what, what the hell did you think when his? it seemed like his promo got kind of uh, – he was taken back. He started kind of fucking up, honestly. Because I don't think he was expecting people to boo him that badly. Yeah, I mean, well, it's a weird situation, right? Where it's MJF's hometown, who's been 
a heel pretty much his entire AEW run. But uh, they absolutely loved him. I would say that almost some of the nostalgia has ran uh, has ran its course with CM Punk, especially this whole happy babyface thing that he's been doing. And I wouldn't, you know, MJF is pretty well beloved, even though he's supposed to be a shitbag heel. So you may in anywhere up in the Northeast, you you might get some of this back and forth. And we just saw this at the uh, God, who was it that CM Punk faced recent last? Where he Kingston. Got, yeah, like we kind of saw this with Eddie Kingston too. Like, I think that you know they see Kingston as an AEW guy, they see MJF as an AEW guy, whereas Punk is is a WWE guy <laughs> to some extent. And uh, you know, outside That's of amazing. Chicago, outside of Chicago, I, I don't know that he's gonna be a huge babyface. I think, and I and I do think the majority of the crowd, or at least the, all the people that I've seen talking. Um, even from different podcasts and, you know, people like Brian Alvarez, et cetera, they kind of know that punk is going to have to turn heel at some point. Right. So it's just when, not, not really if. And if MJF is the driving force of having him go over the edge, I'm completely down with that storyline playing out. Honestly. Yeah, and, and I mean, this is the, this is the feud that everyone wanted. So I, I think we're going to continue to get great promos. Um, this wasn't Punk's best promo ever, but it was also still pretty good. Yep. All right, so we had the Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal. Um, so the participants were Lee Moriarty, Bull Hobbs, Matt Hardy, Jay Lethal, Ricky Starks, Leo Rush, Dante Martin, Lee Johnson, Wardlow, Frank Kazarian, MJF and Matt Seidel. The winner wins the the, the diamond ring, uh, given, or at least in the ceremony, given by Diamond Dallas Page to whoever was going to win the first one. And I think it was between MJF and Adam Page. And then he beat him. And then he beat Orange Cassidy last year. So he's going to be going against another person this time uh, because him and Dante Martin were the last two within this thing. Now, Noted the buildup with MJF, uh, the video package of him in his Letterman jacket, you know, walking on the field of his old football, talking about all the things that he did at that school, uh, the fact that he was in a little vocal group, uh, the fact that he was a football player, all the statistics of, of what he did and accomplished. He got chicks. Uh, that was definitely something stated. This shit was making me laugh my fucking ass off. And then when he actually got there with his music, that audience went fucking nuts. And MJF is acting like a complete baby face, you know, you know, hitting hands on the way out and shit like that. Um, we had him in the match most of the time getting protected by Wardlow, which he had no problem taking advantage when Dante Martin and Leo Rush tried to eliminate Wardlow. And then MJF just took everyone and everyone got eliminated besides Dante Martin. Um, there was, I hated Jay Lethal getting beat by Matt Hardy and being the second person eliminated. I thought that was fucking stupid, but that's just me. I know because I've been talking about the interview that Jay Lethal's very happy where he is and what he's doing. I just would not have had him go that quickly, uh, within the whole entire thing, but awesome. I love the Haas off, if you will, between Wardlow and Hobbs. That was a lot of fun. 
they they addressed the whole team testing. Dante Martin ended up eliminating Ricky Starks and screwing over that thing, and it became down to MJF and Dante Martin. Those two will have a match next week to uh, determine who will actually win for a third time, maybe for MJF, that Dynamite Diamond Ring, or maybe Dante will be the first one to break that away. But uh, afterwards, Ricky Stark started beating the crap out of Dante Martin. MJF is going up. You know, he he shook hands with Dante Martin. He's going up, uh, you know, to leave and and uh, gets to the uh, the entrance, and he seems conflicted. And uh, he decides he's going to run. And is he going to help Dante Martin? No. Him and Ricky Starks get in each other's faces, smile, and then just beat the shit out of him. It was so fucking great. I loved all of this. I thought this, you know, Battle Royals kind of suck, but I thought all the elements they added into this and all the stuff on MJF just made it a lot of fucking fun. Except for Jay Lethal getting eliminated that quickly. Yeah, I agree. I think I think they eliminated Jay Lethal a little too too soon, especially because they haven't really done a lot to build him up on TV yet. But uh, outside of that, this was a pretty fun battle royal, and especially all the stuff around MJF. Like you said, the fans lost their absolute shit when he came out. It was a huge pop. Um, and I like at the end that he's still dirtbag MJF, even when he's somewhere where he is loved. <laughs> so, And they still cheered was... for it. <laughs> Which is great. Um, and I, I do think that he's going to just retain that ring. Because, I mean, it's so, it's so ingrained in his character right now anyways. And them setting this up with uh, Dante Martin and Ricky Starks, I could see more of Team Taz getting involved, um, potentially costing him the match to some extent. Yep, I could definitely see that as well. We'll have to wait, but uh, next match was a little bit of a clusterfuck. It was four on four, Jurassic Express, Varsity Blondes, the acclaimed 2.0. So it is 2.0. Um the stuff I really remember in this match is Anthony Bowens fucking kicked like almost his head off. And actually, there are three moments this night where I think I wish I could have seen Doc Sampson, whatever the fuck his name is, the doctor kind of like evaluate the situation. But this is the first one and it seemed like he was OK afterwards. But Brian Pillman just got kicked in the fucking face. It was an accident. It happens. But Bowens just kicked him straight off in the fucking face. He looked a little bit uh, just rush shape after that. We had Eddie Kingston come out to fuck with 2.0. This would lead after the match, uh, them attacking him, uh, Santana and Ortiz backstage. The first time they've ever involved their friendship in the actual uh, AEW um, you know, storyline, if you will. So I don't know. I guess that's going to probably do a three-on-three. But um, – yeah, it was a little bit of a clusterfuck, Chris. I, I think that Luchasaurus is really getting uh, his size more so than ever. Um, I'm assuming Big Show and Mark Henry kind of worked with him on that because he's doing a good job of being more like a cane. Then, you know, he still does some of those luchador things, but he kind of dials it back a bit, which I think is actually good. Bring that out on the pay-per-views. And uh, Max Caster, I can't remember the rap he had, but that was actually pretty good too. Um, I don't know. We'll talk about the uh, post-interview with the Varsity Blondes after this and all the weirdness involved in that, but um, what did you think about this match? I, it was just kind of a weird match that was just there for me. Um, I mean, obviously, it, it, 
the storyline of Eddie Kingston was more important than this match. So this was just there as a catalyst for that. So I don't, I don't even remember very much from this outside of the Anthony Bowens kick, like you were talking about, which kind of surprised me because Anthony Bowens is like really good in the ring. He's definitely the best member of that tag team. So that, that moment kind of surprised me. Yeah. And apparently I don't know what the fuck is wrong with people. Some asshole was kicked out of the audience for saying some very homophobic slurs in Anthony's direction. And, uh, you know, along with what happened with Montez Ford recently with some guy basically calling him out in the audience and shit like that and just being an asshole. Just what the fuck is wrong with people? You actually bought front row to try to talk shit and piss off a wrestler. Like, especially if you're saying homophobic shit, just, just fucking jump in a, a, a volcano, honestly. I don't know if it happened during this match, but it just happened recently and he addressed it and that should not be happening in fucking 2021 going on 2022. Yeah, I have to agree. And this goes back to, like, why even go to the event if you're just going to be, like, you're paying a lot of money for these tickets. It's just like the people that went there just to fucking hold up cornet signs on the last episode where we were talking about <laughs> dirtbag fans. It's just weird to me that people do this. And like you said, like, it's 2021 going into 2022. There's no room for that, that kind of shit. Not at all. All right, anyways, uh, best friends, super click. Uh, we have the Young Bucks going against Rucker Romero and Chuck Taylor. I like this direction that Orange Cassidy, especially expressed on Rampage last night, that he's getting past the point of being cool about this. He's really fucking pissed off. Even the celebrating at the end of it with Chuck Taylor coming out, or um, Tremperetta coming out and his mom. Orange Cassidy was still phased by Adam Cole, so... I like how they're going with that. These guys had a good tag team match. You know, for all the shit I give Chuck Taylor, it's more of his physique and his goofiness that I think takes away from the fact that he is a good, solid in-ring wrestler. Rocky Romero is amazing, and the Bucks are the fucking Young Bucks. So um, we had Trent Barretta, like I said, return. He was with his mom in the van, and at the end of it, after the win, they all celebrated the victory uh, doing the big hug in the middle of it. So, Chris, Tremperetto looks fucking pretty good. I wouldn't have cut my hair, but he looks pretty jacked, so I'm happy to have him back. Yeah, and I'm a big Tremperetto fan, so it is good to see him back in the ring. And uh, this might have been my favorite thing on the show, match-wise, like as far as in-ring stuff goes. I thought this was a really good match. Like I said, it's a fucking Young Bucks match, so it's going to be pretty solid. <laughs> That's probably yeah. the best way to put it. Um, so I, I liked this quite a bit. All right. Um, and I can't wait to talk about the little added uh, storyline element on Rampage with uh, Trent. feel like he's going to be doing a heel turn. I don't know. It's calling it now. Uh, Riho, Jamie Hayter. They had a good match, man. Uh, Riho was getting fucking just thrown everywhere. Selling, doing really well. This is the second time, though, that in this match... I wish someone fucking checked on Jamie Hayter because she got crucifix bombed and fucking just fell right on her fucking head. And after that, she was out of it for the rest of the match. After Riho won and they beat up down uh, Riho, uh, you know, Jamie was like just gone. Uh, Aubrey checked with her. No, I don't even know if Aubrey checked on her. It looked like she was literally just like out of it. 
uh, just from that move. And she didn't really do anything except for, like, kind of dragging herself out of the ring at one point. So, uh, yeah. Uh, there's going to be one more of these. It's not – I'm the same way with WWE as I am with AEW. It's just, like, just fucking check on them real quick. Make sure they're okay. Especially when they're that visibly, it looks like they're hurt or, or messed in the head at all. It doesn't matter towards the fucking performance if you check on If anything – that makes it look more realistic, I would say. But what are you going to do? Good match. Riho is an awesome baby face. Jimmy Hader is an awesome powerhouse. Thought they had a pretty decent match, Chris. Yeah, sorry. My, I, I couldn't get off mute. Uh, yeah, this was a really good match. Um, I'm assuming they're going to have a, one more rematch between these two. Just based on what they've done thus far. But I, I liked this match that, like you said, the, it kind of went to shit after Jamie Hayter got her bell rung. I'm actually surprised I've never seen these two work before. Like, because Jamie has spent a lot of time in New Japan, or not New Japan, but in Japan with stardom. And I know she's been in DDT before, so kind of surprised this hasn't, or is not something I've seen before. Yeah. I don't know. I know they're continuing to tease that Jamie Hayter and Britt Baker are eventually going to be having a feud at some point. It seems like they've been doing that more and more recently. Like we talked about, like, I guess it was last week where like Jamie Hayter kind of came out late and Britt Baker just looked at her and kind of rolled her eyes like this bitch. <laughs> so <laughs> I could see that match in the near future as well. Yep. All right. Um, we had this weird interview with Tony Schiavone, Varsity Blondes, featuring Julia Hart. And uh, before they could even talk about anything within the future of them in a tag team, uh, the lights went out. When it came on, Malachi Black was there with his mask. He took it off and sprayed Julia Hart in the face. And she sold it really well. Uh, but it was like, what the fuck is this? The only thing I can think of. With Malachi talking about this whole House of Black concept that he wants to do of having like a couple people associated with him in an interview, the the I don't want it to be Julia Hart. I can just tell you that, but I would love it if it's actually Pillman. This could be a direction to send him uh, to do something else outside of the Varsity Blondes, but I have no clue really, honestly, what the fuck any of this meant. Yeah, I'm assuming it's just setting up a match with him and Pillman. I mean, that that's kind of what I took away with it. But if they, you know, if they were going to do something with House of Black, I would have no problem with it being Julia Hart because then at least it's not going to force Malachi to just being a bunch of fucking tag matches. Um, you know, having a, a female dark character would not be the worst thing for this show. But I, I, I don't. I think it's more just probably leading to a match with Malachi and, and versus the varsity blondes, maybe at the same time, because <laughs> that would, to me, Malachi should probably just demolish uh, Brian Pillman Jr. If they were doing a singles match, just based on how they've built Malachi so far. Yeah. What if, uh, what if uh, Malachi is Gangrel and he's looking for his edge and Christian? I mean, do you really want it to be the Varsity Blondes, though? I, think. I want anything for Brian Pillman Jr. I don't give a fuck about Griff Garrison or Julia Hart. 
yeah, maybe, you know, that causes the split up of the varsity blondes to some extent, but I don't know. I don't necessarily know that I need Brian Pillman Jr. to be trying to do some kind of like Satanist gimmick. It's one of those things that's like really hard to come back from, especially if it's not really your forte. I would just more if, you know, him be more of like a loose cannon or I don't, I don't know what even what you would do with this character really, but um, maybe a heel turn would help him either way, even if it's not something with Malachi. Well, we'll have to see, but it's a, uh, it's puzzling, but I guess kind of interesting at the same time. Main event, Brian Danielson, Johnny Hungy, John Silver from the dark order. Uh, just a really good match back and forth. Uh, I mean, there is a part, like I said, this is the third one where I don't know what happened. I don't think it was from the Gotch Pow Driver. I think that was later on, but it just seemed like John was off from getting hit at some point and looked completely out of it. I can't remember or pinpoint exactly what it was, but either way, these guys had a good match um, and uh, ended with, uh, you know, uh, Brian Danielson picking up uh, something from Minoru Suzuki with the Gotch style pile driver and uh he then finished it with a modified full nelson for the win and then cut a a promo about kicking the dark orders head in and all the people in their cities that he's done so far he's gonna do the same for silver and then hangman page made the save uh talking danielson down before he could escape and then he said next week i'm going to kick the cowboy shit out of you so that's how he went off the air Good fire from Hangman Page. I'm looking forward to this match. I feel like something's going to happen in it, man. I don't think they're going to give away a real ending on, on fucking television with this. So I think this is going to get extended. I don't know what or how. I know they don't do DQs that often, but I, I don't know why you wouldn't have this either for a pay-per-view or even a more bigger show than fucking Winter is Coming. And yes, I know the title was on the line last year, people. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Um, I think this could just be as simple as a TV time limit draw, similar to what they did with, uh, you know, Brian and um, Omega. That's kind of their one way out of this without doing a DQ finish. Yeah. Should be a really, really good match. I mean, I would have no problem if they just have Hangman win clean. But I like you said, I don't know that I would give away that finish on a non-pay-per-view. That's what I'm saying. And you know what's crazy? They just announced that the next pay-per-view, I forgot what the name of it is, but it's going to be in March. I know that they have the first day on TBS broadcasting. I know they have the last day on TNT as something big. I know that they are doing the their version of Clash of the Champions. But uh, that's crazy that we're not going to have another pay-per-view until March. Yeah, I mean, but th- that's how they've done. Don't they just do four to quarterly. five a year? Yeah, yep. quarterly. So, I mean, I guess that, that fits. We just came off a pay-per-view. So, um, God, is it going to be around the same time as Mania? When's Mania is going to be in April, right? Beginning of April, yeah. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I guess you know what's going to happen. It'll be the end of the month in March, and then the very next week will be fucking Mania. <laughs> so our shows will be like Probably. seven hours long, <laughs> knowing our luck. All right, let's uh, let's go over Rampage real quick, and then we'll finish it off with SmackDown. 
four good matches, or maybe it was three, I don't remember. But uh, start off with a badass tag team match, Lucha Bros, FTR. Um, I would say out of their four matches so far, in which that they are tied now, so I'm assuming they're going to be doing a fifth match at some point. Because remember, FTR beat them for the belts. Lucha Brothers beat them when they went after the actual AEW belts at Triple Mania this last weekend. They had, um, whatchamacallit, uh, they, had a, they had FTR beat the Lucha Brothers and retain their belts. And now, obviously, tonight, uh, Lucha Brothers win. So they're tied, both with two wins apiece. So we're, I think we're getting more. But these, honestly, one thing I got to say is that this shows that not only Lucha Brothers can wrestle a match that's not as heavy on aerial maneuvers, but also that FTR is able to wrangle and kind of slow down the pace of a match when it can kind of get fast. But I, I liked it. Um, <laughs> I, I like that Tully Blanchard keeps on getting involved and just knocked on his ass. I, I, I like that as a manager. He's kind of stepping out and doing a lot more. But uh, I don't know exactly when we're going to get the next match, but this is a, a pretty good match, a fourth match. They had a really good one at Triple Mania, if, if anyone didn't see that. Uh, but I, it's weird, Chris. You would think that these teams wouldn't work well together, but they actually do. I think they have chemistry. Yeah, the match at Triple Mania was by far, I think, the best match they've had, but this was yep. really good as well. Um, that Triple Mania show was just fucking weird. <laughs> that was easily the best thing on that show uh, for those who didn't get a chance to watch Triple Mania. Big, big uh, main event for the title uh, with Kenny dropping it uh, due to injury. They had Vikingo, who was supposed to go against Kenny, win, but he went against Bobby Fish, Jay Lethal, Kalisto, uh, Bandito, and one other big guy. But, like, fucking just nonstop awesome match. And uh, happy for Vikingo, who becomes, I think, the youngest uh, AAA champion at 21. So, good shit. Yeah, I was actually surprised that he got the win there, but that is that's cool. Um, that match was just kind of all over the place for me. It wasn't that it was yeah. a bad match or anything. <laughs> it was all over the fucking place. There was just a there was like spot after spot after spot after spot. So if you like that kind of stuff, then you you might like the match a little more than me. But I, I like I said, my favorite match on that show was definitely FTBR versus the uh, Lucha Bros. Yep. All right. So we had Ruby Soho and. Uh, Ty Conti and Anna J, known as TJ, going against Penelope Ford, Bunny, and Nyla Rose. Um, basically, yeah, the Bunny hit um, uh, Anna J with uh, brass knuckles, and uh, Rose finished her off with the Beast Bomb for the wind. I didn't realize that she's doing Batista's fucking power bomb, and honestly, like Nyla Rose. Kind of reminds me of a female Batista, especially her position uh, within this. But this is Nyla Rose and Ruby Soho that building them up. So they did some some uh, some some messed up stuff. Um, I'm not the biggest Bunny fan. I really do like uh, Penelope Ford, Anna Jay, Ty Conti, especially Ruby Rose and Nyla Rose. Um, but yeah, just uh, just uh, yeah, just interesting, Chris or Ruby Soho. Did I say Ruby Rose? Whatever. What do you think about this match? Yeah. It was a decent TV match. 
I don't really remember too much from it outside of that and the the brass knuckle finish. I'm kind of like you. I'm not super high on the bunny. Um, I do feel they should have they should have done more with Penelope Ford and still should do more with Penelope Ford because I think that she's probably my favorite person in this match, maybe outside of Ruby Soho. Um, but yeah, just not a whole lot. I, I don't remember a whole lot from it outside of that it was like a decent TV match. Yep, have to agree with you. Next match, <laughs> uh, the the final debut of Hook, Taz's son, going against Fuego del Sol. Came out with fucking Action Bronson, fucking busting in a beat for his entrance music. Definitely dug that, um, and just 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 looked like a fucking monster, man. You know, even for his size and his look, he just looked like intimidating, kind of like his dad. He has that presence. He had, like, boxing shorts on. He got in there. Fuego del Sol looked great, you know, doing a lot of his normal stuff, springboards and the uh, Tornado DDT. I liked when Hook caught him during that, though, and just slammed him on his ass. He didn't do anything that crazy, but he was over like fucking Rover and choked him out, uh, Taz Mission style, uh, for the ending. So is, 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 is Hook over, Chris? Yeah, and that kind of makes it weird, him still being tied into the Taz faction, which, I mean, I guess he's always going to be to some extent because Taz is his dad, but the fans are super they're super into this guy. Um, really, Doug, the debut of Hook, this is the first time I've ever seen – this is his first match in AEW in general, right? Like he hasn't worked on Elevation or something I would have missed. First match? Yeah, so this was – for a debut, this is really, really good. I kind of expected it to be good just because his dad's Taz, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, but – uh. Yeah, I mean, it, the fans seem to be behind the guy, and uh, having that action Bronson banger uh, isn't going to hurt that. <laughs> That's for sure. So, yeah, I dug the hell out of this. It was cool. All right, our last match on the card that just absolutely went nowhere, Mark Henry having to interrupt the uh, argument, mainly between Adam Cole and, uh, of all people, Orange Cassidy. Also, just like a little bit of uh, extra stuff, Trent Barreto wanted to say something to... Uh, the Young Bucks, uh, you know, give him his peace of mind. Obviously, he's been injured for a while. And Orange Cassidy kind of stopped him and told him that it wasn't his night and that it was Wheeler's night. So that was kind of random. And that kind of played out to there when they came to the ring. Uh, he just seemed like he was uh, just in a different mindset. So I don't know where they're going with that. But uh, I like this fierce side of Orange Cassidy. I think it's interesting. Adam Cole and Wheeler Yuta had a great match. Wheeler Yuta's like... 21-22. He's fucking really good. Another guy that I think is going to be an up-and-comer. If anything, I think he's getting lost in the shuffle of being a part of that giant group with the best friends. But, you know, I I think that his aerial stuff, uh, everything really was really good and solid. Adam Cole would end up winning. Um, you know, Cole blocked a splash with his knees and nailed a super kick before he lifted Yuta up for a running knee to the win, for the win. Then they just stormed the ring. You know, Bobby Fish, the Young Bucks, all just beat the shit out of the best friends. And we went off the air with um, Trent Beretta, who just came back from surgery, getting his getting a triple uh, knee by the Young Bucks and Adam Cole, which honestly looks like shit. I wish they would stop doing it. But that's just me. Um, yeah, so I'm, this is interesting. Putting a little bit of uh, ferocity, Chris, uh, within this feud, I would say. 
Yeah, and I mean, this is the side of Orange Cassidy. I think they need to show a little bit more because it, it adds a little more depth to that character. And I do think he's pretty damn good in the ring. So when you're able to see the side of Orange Cassidy, it makes it what makes me like him more. Um, the stuff with Trent Beretta is interesting. I'm, I want to know where they're going with that because if if he turns heel, that kind of what do you do with Chuck Taylor after that? I don't really see Chuck Taylor as a singles <laughs> wrestler. So does that just pretty much end the the best friends? Is it that they all turn I guess on Orange keep Cassidy? Him, I guess keep him with Rocky. I don't know. Yeah, I guess they could do that. Um, it would be fun to see Trent Beretta get some kind of a singles run. But yeah, I, that that's. That was the most interesting takeaway is what the hell are they doing with Tripperetta? And and now he kind of just got murdered um, <laughs> in the middle of the ring with that triple knee. And I agree with you. I do think that kind of looks like shit for a uh, for a group that does so many super kicks. You would think they just would do a triple super kick, especially because Kenny's not there. So I don't know yeah. why they wouldn't be triggers. Um, it makes sense when Kenny's there just because that's his shit. <laughs> but yeah, it. it I, I could probably do without that, uh, come up with some other way to get that same kind of spot. Yeah, no, that I, I agree with you. I think that a triple um, super kick would be, would at least look a lot more effective. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan of Trent. I always have been. I'd love to see him in a solo effort. I've, I've been like that since he was in New Japan as part of Chaos in uh, Rapongi uh, with uh, Rocky. So, you know, I just think that stylistically and also size-wise, he does he has elements that remind me of both Page and also uh, Edge. Uh, you know, uh, got a great spear. Actually, he might have a better spear than Edge. Don't tell Edge that, but honestly, some of the other guys have a better spear than him. But um, anyways, um, but yeah, man, uh, I'd like to see some stuff from Trent in a different direction. And I like how it's getting to the point where people are actually booing Adam Cole finally <laughs> because he's such a good heel, but... He's a likable one. He's like Jay, Jay White has kind of done this to himself, where he's the cool heel. So they definitely got some heat last night. Um, not as much as Sonya Deville did on SmackDown, but they definitely got some heat last night. Yeah, I mean, there's still an impending breakup with this group, though, as well, right? So uh, how long is Adam Page really going to be a heel? That's a good point. Depends on if uh, Mr. Kyle O'Reilly decides to make his uh, position different. But I would kind of force them into, like, Adam Cole trying to take over and be like, no, we're all one big team. And it kind of causing <laughs> causing some problems with the Young Bucks and, and Red Dragon until the point where maybe Adam Cole just beats the shit out of them. And then Kenny comes back maybe afterwards back as a baby face to work with the Bucks. I don't know. They can figure it the fuck out, though. Yeah, I mean, I wonder when we're going to even get Kenny back. He's got two two surgeries. Uh, well, there's another guy that might be off uh, his WWE run soon that's good friends with the Young Bucks that could add as an element towards that type of feud who's also good friends with Adam <laughs> Cole, Mr. Uh, Kevin Steen, a.k.a. Kevin Owens. Well, I'm assuming he's coming back as Kevin Steen as well if he does leave. Yep. It'll be interesting to see uh, how that plays out because they're trying to give Kevin in WWE's way of trying to give someone a push. <laughs> they, they've had him in some big, big matches here recently. 
I mean, if I was him, I wouldn't resign just because last time he resigned, they did dick all with him. So until just recently, they just had him lose in a bunch of matches. I can't remember the last time Kevin match Kevin Owens won a match clean. Seems like he's lost a lot. So yeah, I don't know. And then Sami Zayn's contracts up right after. Uh, they could even come in as a tag team if they wanted to. I don't know. That's that's the big if. But they're going to have what ninety days or. Yep. So we'll see. See what happens when they do that. That would put them in line for a pay-per-view debut in March, <laughs> depending on when the mm. dates fall. That's a good point. Well, we'll have to we'll have to wait and see, but that's a that's a very interesting concept. All right, let's go into SmackDown. Finish the show out. SmackDown started off with dude, Sami Zayn's doing some of the best uh, promo work as a heel. Like comes out. He's got these obvious two wrestlers because they're fucking jacked that are male nurses. He's in a wheelchair. He's got a fucking neck brace and a leg brace on. He just looks completely just bewildered. They show what happened to him the week prior with Brock Lesnar beating the shit out of him and then Roman Reigns beating the shit out of him. He gets to the ring and basically he says that he wants to sue Adam Pearce. He wants to sue Sonya Deville, uh, the WWE, Brock Lesnar, Roman Reigns, and Paul Heyman for all the stuff that happened. He's bitching about, you know, how much pain he's in. Paul Heyman comes out, starts talking about how his people are the ones that complain and and uh, and sue and 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 uh, you know do what basically Sammy's doing uh, and says Shabbat Shalom to him. So he starts like running down the fact that Roman still wants to kick his ass some more, and it kind of sets up that Roman might be coming out, uh, but we're notified that Roman is actually taking an off week in the island of Samoa to ease his mind. So he's not there. So who comes out? Brock Lesnar. Brock comes out to the ring. Uh, he's all smiles. He's trying he just takes a chair and he's sitting in the middle of the ring with Sammy, just trying to like, you know, talk to Sammy about the issues that he has. He demands a mic from Paul Heyman who gives it to him. And, uh, you know, just, is saying, Sammy, you know, I, I, I don't understand, you know, the issues that you have, blah, 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 blah. He's like, let's let's work this out as men. You know, we can go hunting together. And Sammy tells him that he's actually vegan. Well, then Brock starts, like, taking his uh, wheelchair, and he's like, well, figure it out. We can go hunting, and we're both Canadians, and, you know, blah, 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 trying to bring unity, uh, escorting him out. And that's when Paul Heyman snatches a fucking microphone from Brock and goes – what the hell am I seeing? He goes, I visited the dispensary earlier, but I thought it would wear off by now. I guess the edibles are really starting to kick in. He goes, you're Brock Lesnar. Like, what are you doing with this? Like, the normal Brock Lesnar would destroy Sami Zayn. And then he starts, you know, doing the whole Brock Lesnar spiel. And Brock beats the shit out of both security members and takes Sami and ragdolls him and then gives him an F5 and leaves and, uh, you know, gave Paul a smile, and Paul's kind of, like, taken back by it. Kayla Braxton tries to interview Brock afterwards, and he just says, you know, just uh, a lot of the stuff that uh, just happened was inspired by Paul and that you should talk to him, basically, insinuating more that they're still in cahoots. And uh, I love the interview later on where she scares the shit out of Paul Heyman again. He tells her not to do that. 
asks him about the relationship with Brock Lesnar. He tells him not her not to do that once again. And uh, then brings up a good point. What is Roman going to think about what just happened with the interaction with you and Brock Lesnar tonight? And Paul looks like, oh, shit, I didn't think about that. So fearful and just walks off. And a great setup for next week, man. I loved all the stuff with Brock Lesnar. I loved him getting in Paul Pierce's face and telling him that he skinned a moose that he killed uh, that had 250 pounds worth of guts in it. And when he mounted it on his wall, he named it Pierce just and, and thanking him for, you know, charging him a million dollars and giving him the charity. Just really just doing a good job being a fucking baby face, but also being a fucking psycho at the same time, Chris. I loved all of this. Yeah, and this has Paul Heyman's hands all over it, right? This entire story oh, yeah. still is just very Paul Heyman. But uh, this is great, and I love babyface crazy Brock. <laughs> it's incredible. And like you said, this version of Sami Zayn, um, while he hasn't really won anything, <laughs> he has been very goddamn entertaining, to say the least. So I loved all of this in the... Uh, Paul Heyman has done such a good job of selling every time he realizes that he may have pissed Roman off, like Roman beats him secretly <laughs> or something, you know, like it's uh, this is easily the best thing in WWE and continues to be with Paul and Roman and now adding in Brock. And it's crazy to think about this will be I think Ryan Alvarez said like the 80th match Brock and Roman had. I think he was kidding. But if you think about it, they've had a lot of matches. Um, but this is the one they I've been have. most excited for. I mean, this actually feels like that, you know, there is a reason for them to hate each other and, and have this feud. So uh, great job all around by everyone that was involved. And uh, I guess we will see what happen when the, happens when the Tribal Chief shows back up next week. We'll find out. <laughs> but man, uh, Paul Heyman's doing his best work, too, as a heel. Right now. And Brock Lesnar, this is definitely his best promo work that he's ever done. (laughs) That whole entire thing with him backing up Paul Pierce to the wall and basically telling him that he killed a giant moose and friggin' gutted him and did all this stuff to him. And he's like, yeah, and then I mounted it just so I would think of you. And I named it Pierce. Like his the the selling of of, of, uh, Pierce as well was just fucking great, man. Yeah, that this all around, this was just really good stuff. And if they can keep that consistency up, you know, it makes WWE way more watchable. I wish they could. I don't know. It's almost like if they let Paul Heyman do what they hired him to do before firing or or demoting him, <laughs> maybe both shows would be this good. You would think. You would think. Uh, what are you gonna do? But uh, just yeah, good stuff, man. Uh, the rest of it was I, th- I thought SmackDown had a good night last night. We'll go over some of the stuff. Shinsuke Nakamura and Rick Boogs uh, went against Los Lotharios. Um, it was a fine match, really quick, actually, that Shinsuke uh, got tagged in after Rick Boogs was taking a beating and then came out and did one Kinshasa and beat Los Lotharios. Um, we also found out that Kofi, uh, you know, uh, was... Showing off Xavier Woods' new crown that he has that looks absolutely fucking ridiculous. Um, probably, probably one of the worst things about the night, honestly. 
But Drew McIntyre is <laughs> going to the fucking ring to to uh, you know uh, go against Sheamus. Beforehand, he shows up with Adam Pearce and was like, oh, I heard that you were the reason why I wasn't in that battle royal for number one contender. And he had Angela the sword with him. And Paul Pierce was like, look, I was told to do that by the higher ups. Uh, sorry, it's not my fault. Also, I'm since you went out there and basically started swinging a fucking sword in the ring around a bunch of people. I got to take that sword from you before you go to the match with Sheamus. And uh, he took the fucking sword, Chris, and put it right through the desk of Paul Pierce, which was awesome visual. Drew McIntyre and Sheamus, I guess I'm just used to them having these badass fights. It was kind of short for me, dog, to be honest with you. I'm glad that we did have Cesaro watching on a monitor in the back to further the storyline with uh, Sheamus and him. But Drew beat Sheamus. Uh, I love how it started off with, with Drew going for you know a his running kick and then Sheamus just giving him this fucking knee to the face that almost got a three count, but... You know, it was it was stiff. It was a good match like you expect the two of them to have. I just wanted something longer than it was, and uh, Sheamus uh, lost, so whatever. Um, but, man, I, I Drew McIntyre taking that fucking blade and putting it through a desk, pretty impressive strength, I got to say, of the sword and Drew yeah. McIntyre. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Um, I like that Brock Lesnar got suspended and fined a million dollars for like attacking someone normal and fucking <laughs> Drew McIntyre's out here <laughs> trying to murder people with a sword. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's uh, it, it's a weird storyline. I do think if they have a match again, him and uh, Sheamus, you could kind of start it the same way they started this match with them go you know, like uh, him going for that kick. But, like, what if him and Sheamus both kick each other at the same time, since they essentially have both have pump kick finishers? Like, yeah. That would be a really cool start to a match between those two hosses. Um, and I look forward to more Sheamus and Cesaro. They always have great matches. They're kind of, that, their feud in general, and even their tag team to some extent, is underrated. Especially looking back at the, the, the series of five matches they had when Mick Foley was commissioner. Yep. So I always look forward to seeing those guys mix it up in the ring. I still wish they would do more with Cesaro, but he seems to be happy there. So uh, who am I to judge? Who are you to judge? I agree. Who am I to judge? If they want to, if he, if he wants to be that just brawler, fit Finley-esque personnel at this point in his career, I can see that making a lot of sense. But, um, you know. Uh, let's continue. We have the next match. Well, actually, before that happened, the, the fucking geeks themselves, Madcap Moss and um, Happy Corbin, saw the desk out in the hallway with the sword through it and stole the desk, including Angela, a part of it. So I guess we're going to have Drew McIntyre in a match with Baron Corbin. Um, at some point in the future, again, it's really helping out Drew McIntyre. It's gonna say that. I mean, he's just gonna be kind of on the back burner until they get through with this Brock stuff, right? I guess so. Um, so yeah, like you said, it's he's almost a little bit of an afterthought. Um, the storyline now is gonna be Corbin has the sword, I guess. Ugh. 
Keanu Reeves himself, the Keanu Reeves of wrestling, is now has a sword. Dane, how do you feel about this? <laughs> I feel like Keanu Reeves would be able to use a sword much more properly than Happy Corbin. But uh, I, I really miss Broke Corbin. <laughs> He's gotten that over <laughs> so well. And like it was the first time that like I'd been interested in Baron Corbin since like maybe NXT or right after his debut on the main roster. It's like the best thing they had ever done with him. And then I don't know. To me, they've just fucking killed it. They found a way to ruin it. It didn't take them that long either. It was like a m- month or two. <laughs> Yeah, they didn't. They didn't. Uh, didn't take them long to fuck something up. That's weird. <sighs> <laughs> it, it almost had shades of like when Miro got that fucking uh, Rusev day over, <laughs> and you're and the me and you both were like, well, they'll find a way to fuck it up. It's kind of the same thing that happened to Corbin. Yep. All right, so uh, Naomi was supposed to go against Sonya Deville. They had the whole package. They broke down the feud itself between the two. And I actually liked what they did with this. Uh, my only issue is with the debut of Xylee, how the fuck are you going to call the protector? Should she be like the face kicker or the, the I just broke your whatever or I'm replacing, uh, you know, Naya as the new person that might injure people? Whatever. I'm glad that she didn't have her first match with Aaliyah. I'll just say that. But uh, Naomi and Sonya Deville, they both made their way, you know, out. And then uh, Sonya Deville show that she had uh, Natalia at one point in the ring being the special announcer and then also uh, Shayna Baszler being the uh, the uh, the bell ringer, if you will, the timekeeper. And uh, Naomi went after both of them, uh, had it you know pretty well in her favor. and then of course, then uh, Sonya Deville came outside. Bell still hasn't rung. Starts beating the crap out of Naomi, triple teamed, and Zia Lee makes her entrance and her appearance. And she comes out and helps even the odds, and they start double teaming um, Sonya Deville. And then Sonya Deville gets dragged out by Shayna Baszler. So we're building up to day one-ish, which I think is a smart thing. Sonya got booed. People are really actually getting heat on Sonya Deville. So I think this is actually a good thing to extend it. Uh, and Zia Lee is now protecting uh, Naomi, apparently. But, you know, um, she looked good. Great entrance. Great visuals. I just hope she doesn't break someone's face. That's all. Yeah. I mean, I guess it was time to bring her up if you ever were going to do it. I'm not a huge Zia Lee fan. But uh, I. And what's coming out of this? A female tag match that's going to last like three minutes? I feel like this feud has yeah. been going on forever is what I'm getting at. <laughs> I agree. Uh, it's not, there's nothing bad about it really. It's just, it's, it, we need a conclusion at some point and it's not going to be a day one. Cause that it, I'm assuming it's just going to be a fucking tag match. Probably on the pre-show. <laughs> the other thing about day one, while, while we're talking about it, kind of, uh, did WWE think this through and realize that if they're going to have this pay-per-view called day one, that it might not always land on a Sunday each year. I guess they're not worried about it. I don't know. <laughs> At least it's Atlanta. I'm not going though, but you know, yeah, I saw the ticket prices and I was like, no, I'm good. Same thing. 
not happening. <laughs> you guys can't just be like, oh, pay-per-view the day after, you know, or the first day of the year at Atlanta, and that make me try to spend $150 fucking dollars on a damn ticket. Not happening. I spent 60 and went to fucking Dynamite and had a great time. And Cody almost murdered himself. Yeah, I don't think that you're going to be seeing any uh, <laughs> anyone almost die <laughs> at the WWE show. Or at least uh, if it happens, it would be an accident, not something that you plan. Like, I don't know, setting yourself on fire. <laughs> so dumb. <laughs> I love Cody, but that we was didn't, so dumb. We didn't talk about that, actually. Uh, some heat happened where Cody basically came out and told Sammy Guevara, hey, I'm, I'm cutting everyone in the line, and you're going to be going against me for the TNT Championship. I'm going to get that belt back next week. Sorry. And almost went out the heel entrance, realized it, and went out the babyface entrance. Chris, they're fucking with us, aren't they? Obviously, Ethan Page and Scorpio oh, yeah. Sky would cause another... Uh, you know, bitch about it, and Scorpio Sky called out Sammy Guevara. So it looks like he's going against Cody, and if he beats Cody, he'll be going against Scorpio Sky for that belt the week afterwards. But uh, Cody, uh, very heelish. That's very heelish, right? Am I crazy? Yeah. No, I mean, he's bird as fuck, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that anti-burn gel doesn't doesn't work that great. Yeah, I um, guess the parts that fell off was the places that he had third degree burns, for Christ's sakes. Yeah, they need to um never God, do that Cody again. Rhodes, yeah, never do that again, first and foremost. And he should definitely send Andrade like a like a fruit basket or something for putting him out. <laughs> or that could have been way worse. We didn't even talk about and I wish they would have acknowledged this, I guess because Rick's not been looked at well recently. There was one cool dynamic about that match. You had the son-in-law of Ric Flair going against the son of Dusty Rhodes. No one brought that up on commentary. It's kind of... Yeah, it, it is weird that they didn't... Maybe they're just not wanting to associate with Ric Flair, Ric Flair. in general at the moment. Yeah. I'm surprised that his podcast has done it. Well, I'm not surprised it's done as well as it has. Actually, I was about to say I was surprised it's done as well as it has, but no one's really I, – I almost thought that the mainstream media, like TMZ, et cetera, would have had stuff to say about this, and I haven't really heard anything. Kind of surprised. It's no, well, and Once it's, again, it's Rick, Ric Flair, so he's a little bulletproof to some some of these kind of things. Well, one thing that's great about it is knowing that Rick – Keeps up with everything now, basically WWE and AEW-wise. So he had a lot to say about certain people in AEW, very positive, putting over, you know, Jay Lethal, putting over Kenny Omega as a wonderful performer, the Young Bucks, uh, putting over Okada. Like, there's a lot of wrestlers that the Nature Boy is very much into. And, you know, obviously put over everyone in WWE, like AJ Styles, his daughter, Randy Orton, a lot of the people that... But he saw potential in Austin Theory. He sees potential. He thinks Sammy Guevara is fucking amazing. That Sting's doing great things with Darby Allen. So if you do want to know about certain situations in the past with Rick, kind of like those podcasts that his son-in-law, Conrad, does, um, that's great. But he also adds his, uh, you know, he talks about pay-per-views. He talks about current wrestlers and what he thinks about them. And uh, that's, that's pretty awesome, too. You know, if you do like the Nature Boy, that is. Yeah, I'm 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 kind of surprised that he's not doing it with Conrad. 
But I guess Conrad, I think Conrad's, Conrad has like a hundred podcasts. So. Conrad's doing. I, I asked that too, and then I'm like, all right, he does one with Arn Anderson. He does one with Tony Schiavone. He does one with Eric Bischoff. He does one with Bruce Pritchard. It's like, and he literally runs a mortgage company. So, you know, I mean, I guess there's only so much time in the day, is what I'm wondering. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, I haven't had a chance to listen to any of Rick's podcast. I'm sure Mark Madden does a fine job. I was, I was just more surprised that it wasn't Conrad. Me too. But me too. But like good, you, good stuff. Yeah, because it's like he does have like a bazillion fucking podcasts. To be fair. <laughs> oh, and Jeff Jarrett too, and Kurt Angle. I forgot about those two. <laughs> so maybe that's why Rick's doing it with Mark Madden. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe you drop like Jared or Kurt Angle to do the one with Ric Flair. <laughs> I feel like, um, but you know, it's God. That's seven shows a week, so that's a lot. It's a lot of, uh, and it's, it's also a lot of talking job. about this. Yeah, and, and it's also a lot of talking about the same shit. I would assume. Yeah. Since a lot of these people have crossovers in their career with each other, and plus, like, you're still talking about the main products that are out there to watch. So, well, one thing uh, that's cool about Kurt and Jeff is that a lot of times Conrad won't be on and they'll do an interview with someone else. Like, uh, Kurt recently had Randy Couture on and they talked about both of their Olympic stuff in the past and also just being fighters. So, it's at least with those two, you know, it's it's different. But the other ones, it's like that him with some old fucking wrestling legend in the in the in the realm of either Bruce Pritchard or. Or Eric Bischoff and him basically arguing with them for majority of the time. Um, so it's it's interesting stuff. It definitely is. But uh, yeah, I've, I've I haven't listened to Kurt's. I did listen to Jarrett's, and I like I've liked that couple of episodes I've listened to. But they were more the couple of ones that I listened to were all around kind of the start of Impact. Yeah, and he's been like aggressive with, uh, with Jared as well. But Jared handles it a hell of a lot better than Bruce Pritchard and Eric Bischoff. When him and Bischoff go at it, it's like awkward, honestly. Yeah, Bischoff doesn't like radio. when anyone questions. Yeah, Bischoff doesn't like when anyone questions uh, questions some of the choices in WCW just from past interviews I've heard him in. He goes from being this super almost smiley happy guy to like a miserable fuck really quickly <laughs> on the, the episodes I've listened to. Yep, and uh, the, my my. My favorite one where he went off on Bruce Pritchard about the treatment of Diamond Dallas Page in WWE, where he was like, you guys couldn't figure out a fucking thing to do with them besides having him be a fucking guy stalking The Undertaker's wife and then a fucking inspirational, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? And Bruce, Bruce went around the whole entire conversation. He's like, this is a past champion that you guys finally got in your company and you fucking make him Undertaker's stalker. Like, ugh, the hell... Fucking Bruce yeah. will do anything though. He'll Bruce would drink Vince's piss if it if it meant that Vince would live longer. Honestly. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, but that I mean, Diamond Dallas Page isn't the only person that suffered from. Yeah, from going to WWE and getting kind of fucked over. I mean, I got Scott say, out Steiner. Of, yeah, out of everyone. Uh, I guess the two that probably had the best run coming from WCW that, that were there to the end of WCW, I should say, because obviously of like Benoit and Jericho and Eddie Guerrero, et cetera, but they left before the company closed down. So the people that came in, like 
Booker T, I guess. Probably Ray, had the most maybe? meaningful feuds. Yeah. Like yeah, Ray, Ray and Booker, I guess, would be the Yep. The top two out of that. But everyone else did get kind of treated like shit. I mean, Lance had a pretty good run. Um, but it's yeah. I mean, especially if you look at people like Buff Bagwell, for instance, and how he was treated oh, <laughs> when God. he was there, or or Steiner or Dime Dollars Page, like none of that shit was good. So um also that entire like storyline only lasted like three months really with the uh wcw invasion <laughs> like, i feel like how stacked ecw was of having all of their fucking past people and then wcw has like fucking sean o'hare and and, and mark jindrak you know what i'm saying like they didn't even diamond Dallas page then came in right at the end booker t was there but uh, why uh, you know, and Ray would come afterwards. Why didn't they just like go, all right, well, let's pretend that a lot of you guys that just came here are kind of like plants and pin, since they're already the outsiders anyways, put Chris Jericho on there, put fucking Chris Benoit, put put William Regal and Fit Finley and all the other guys you had. Like, what the, why wouldn't you take, you know, XWCW that were there and make it a part of this group that had a bunch of no names? Outside of Booker I mean, T and fucking DDP. So stupid. Because it's important to, you know, get Chuck Palumbo TV time. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Damn it. I forgot. <laughs> Poor Billy Gunn fucking ever being associated with Chuck Palumbo. Fucking Chuck Palumbo is like a super nice guy. So I kind of feel for him a little bit. But he has a he I don't know if he still does, but he had a TV show where he restores cars that I think was on Netflix for a while. He owns like a, a car restoration shop, does one of those kind of like discovery TV style. We rebuild car shows. Remember Sean Stasiak? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all of these guys just got like put in very shitty situations. Not that they were ever the best in WCW either, but like you're not setting them up for success with some of the storylines they were put into you like Chuck and Billy. Wow. <laughs> uh, the whole marriage angle. Oh my God. Eric Bischoff being the priest and no one knowing that that was him put a bunch of shit on him. Anyways, uh, I've been watching the shit out of ruthless aggression. The, the, the season two of the documentaries. Have you checked out any of them? I have not. The only thing outside of pay-per-views I've watched on the cock is uh, the Broken Skull Sessions, which I find. Really good shit. First season was awesome, but the second season, my favorite episode, obviously, would be Shawn Michaels' return. They had, like, the return of Shawn Michaels and a whole entire episode dedicated to that. But uh, they went over – one went over new things they tried out, you know, like the Elimination Chamber and TLC. One was about – there's a lot of different ones. Uh, the the invasion itself, uh, but definitely recommend checking that out. All the uh, there's eight episodes, I believe. I uh, actually, my mom took me to Hooters to watch that Shawn Michaels Elimination Chamber match, the one where he first returned. Such a good one. <laughs> it was one, back man. when Hooters, it's back when Hooters used to show wrestling pay per views for the youngsters out there. Um, there, you only kind of had two options, like you do with AEW, you either paid. 
you know, the 60 bucks to watch it on cable or you would go to like uh, Hooters. Which, I mean, they still do stuff like that, but it's only for UFC and boxing pay-per-views. But wrestling was very popular back then. So you could go to uh, the Hooters in Gwinnett and uh, see <laughs> wrestling pay-per-views, which is how I remember watching that Elimination Chamber match. I guess I guess he was in the first one, right, Sean, when yep. he came back? And then he had that feud. I know he feuded with Triple H. That was a good run. So maybe I will specifically check out that episode because. Oh man, dude, the funnest part is like all of them see the elimination chamber for the first time. It's it's Booker T, Chris Jericho, Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and they all look fucking terrified. Kane, they're all like, "What the fuck?" It's like, dude, this is real metal. Like the grating on the outside, like that's gonna fucking hurt. Like, what the hell is this? And Booker T goes to Triple H. He goes, "Man, someone's gonna get fucked up tonight." And Triple H is like, oh, <laughs> shit, you're right, man. Like, Chris Jericho's trying to, like, judge it and equate it. He's like, it was so funny. Jericho's making a comment about the cage, and he's like, what, what, what did you go to, like, what, did you make cages or something, Jericho? Like, he's like, no, I'm just saying, like, you know, this, this is just going to hurt, man. This is just going to fucking hurt. That's all it is. And Sean's, like, thinking, like, this is my second match back. I did a fucking, I did a, uh, you know, a, a, Extreme Rules match, and now I'm doing a fucking Elimination Chamber match. But crazy yeah, head. You have to think if you're Sean, you. Yeah, you have to think Sean being like, why the fuck did I come back? <laughs> like, as soon as he got booked. And he's like, oh, wait, I'm getting belt. Yeah, if, if you look at the. If you look at that original chamber versus what it is now, it does look menacing as hell. Like, it, it is. It's crazy um, how far they've came on that thing. But, you know, as far as I know, the worst injury that's ever happened in the Elimination Chamber is uh, happened before the match where Undertaker got fucking set on fire, right? <laughs> Which had nothing yeah. to do with the match itself. Ugh, that That's another fucking story for another day. And the fact that they didn't do, like, breakaway puxy glass, it was just basically puxy glasses that get slammed through. So when they get slammed through it, you know, it didn't break at all. It would just like the whole panel would fucking smash it and then fall on the person. Like it wasn't a, it took a couple times to get it right. I, I, I would say, but that was an amazing one. I don't think it was, maybe it wasn't the first one, but there was one where someone got fucking actually stuck spinal tap style. <laughs> oh, and they had to like find a way to get the damn thing open. <laughs> Everyone's just standing around with their dicks in their hand like, um, well, this is, ruins all the spots we had set up. Uh, the Elimination Chamber is a weird thing. It kind of sucks the awesome. Punjabi prison match wasn't any good because that structure looked awesome. They talked about – because they, they do that. They talk about uh, good things they came up with and stuff that just didn't work out. One of them was uh, the Punjabi prison. The other one was um, – what was the what was the night that they would have all the voting that night for matches, and like they're like, why the fuck did we get ourselves into this? Like, was that Livewire? Something like that. Yeah, it was. It was uh, because you know they would have to completely improvise. They had no clue who the fuck they were going against, and it was all like on the spot basically. But yeah anyway i know that they they did that they did that like two or three times one time they rigged the voting and got i think almost got sued because like you can't rig fan voting for shit like that apparently uh if oh, i remember WWE. correctly but... yep <laughs> 
All right, so uh, let's get to our last two matches, Chris, of SmackDown and Call It A Day. But yeah, definitely check out those Ruthless Aggression episodes if you guys want to see some good stuff. Uh, they're always good with their documentaries. Uh, Tony Storm, Charlotte Flair, beforehand, Sasha gave Tony a little bit of a pep talk and said that she's got this. Uh, I hate these stupid fucking matches. They just did this in AEW where if you beat the champion, you get to go against the champion. Why not just actually just have the match? But whatever. Um, but uh, yeah, she had to beat Charlotte to get a championship match. And uh, it was a good match. And Charlotte ended up getting a DQ. So I don't know if they're going to force Tony to have a match up day one-ish because of the fact that, uh, you know, there was a disqualification against Charlotte and Tony technically won. But uh, that's what I'm assuming is going to happen. I don't remember much from this match at all because it was very short. Uh, yeah. What I don't understand is like, I mean, well, I understand it's WWE, but what, what's the point of not just having fucking her beat Charlotte clean if you're setting up another match anyways? Because, I mean, if it's not for the title, who cares? It yeah, just, I don't that, know. Would, that makes it more intriguing than like, oh, she won, but she only won because Charlotte got DQ'd, which is the story they're trying to tell, I guess. I mean, unless they're going to put the belt on her, which I don't see, see them doing. Yeah, then she just, <laughs> if this feud consists of Tony Storm getting two pies to the face, getting Charlotte back with a pie, and then getting a win because of a DQ and then losing at the pay-per-view to her, that's not really elevating uh, Tony Storm, I don't think. Ha- have to agree with you there. Definitely have to agree with you there. All right, so the last match, the main event, we had a random-ass triple threat tag team match. They were doing voting for this on their Twitter of who is the best tag team right now in WWE between the two champions, so RK-Bro and the Usos and the New Day of Xavier Woods or King Xavier Woods and Kofi Kingston. Uh, Sir Kofi Kingston, I should say. Sorry about that. But uh, this is a great match. I mean, all these guys that's outside of Riddle uh, have worked with each other a million fucking times. Uh, you know, it was Matt Riddle getting his ass kicked the majority of the time and finally getting to Randy Orton um, but just a, just a good match. And, uh, the Viper came in, uh, he got a thunderous ovation. That's what, uh, at least Bleacher Report says. I think he did actually. Viper uploaded, wiping out Jay and slamming him face first into an announce table. Uh, consecutive side suplexes on the, uh, table to both members of the New Day and a draping DDT to Jay. Uh, Uso recovered, rocked Orton with the super kick and teased the splash. Orton moved. He flattened Jimmy with the RKO, but the legal King Woods worked with Kingston to score the win over the Usos. New Day, get this title, I guess, because it's like, oh wait, they're still one of the best tag teams too. So we'll just, we'll just, uh, we'll uh, say they're the best tag team. RK Bro actually won. New Day was the third. So it was uh, RK Bro who beat the Usos a little bit, and New Day did not get that many votes online, Chris. But, uh, you know, at least on this, the New Day, 11-time tag team champions, I believe. The longest reigning tag team champion, you know. The King, past world heavyweight champion. They... They hold the don't they hold the record for most tag team championships at this point in WWE? I believe so. They've got the longest reign and fucking most championship reigns. 
Which I mean, they've that, won it eleven or twelve times. It's ridiculous. Yeah, the the most championship thing is always weird because that just means you also lost it that many times. Woo! <laughs> Which is, yeah. <laughs> um, but that's crazy. I didn't even realize they had won it eleven times. It, it, it's it's even crazier to think they've won it 11 times, but they also held it at one point for like 700 days, right? They beat Demolition's record, yeah. Yeah, so it's like, <laughs> how many how many short reigns did they have with the damn belts where it was like two weeks or something to get to like 11? If, if Xavier goes and becomes a champion in the next couple of years, that's got to be one of the, the best fucking – like faction, I guess, groups of all time when it comes to accomplishments. Uh, yeah, maybe, maybe with the exception of like evolution, because everyone in that group had held the world title. Oh yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. I was thinking of the fucking horsemen, and then you just fucking reminded me about evolution and their stats. Yeah, because Triple H is like a thirteen-time champion. Randy Orton's a fourteen-time champion. Fucking. Batista is a three or four time champion. Flair's a well, he's a sixteen time champion. But let's, if we're talking only WWF lineage, he's a one time champion. So I mean, like if you look at that, plus the fact that they held tag belts and intercontinental belts and all sorts of shit, that probably is the most decorated faction of in WWE history, at least. The Horsemen yeah. would be the next, but that would be more NWA and. Uh, Turner, WCW, WCCW. Yep. Just good stuff, man. I love the fucking New Day. They're great. Um, so, fun match. Don't really know why it happened, but that was uh, SmackDown. Any last uh, comments about SmackDown before we get out of here, Chris? No, I think it was a really fun show. It's one of the better WWE shows I've watched in a while as far as sexual TV. I completely agree with you. All right, well, guys, thank you guys so much for listening to Wrestling Geeks Alliance. We do this show every week. Uh, we usually record it on a Saturday, get it out by Saturday night, Sunday, Monday, around that time frame, okay? Don't come at us. I'm just kidding. But, uh, yeah, we go over reviews, do this type of stuff. If you're a new listener, all of our old listeners, thank you so much. Uh, Chris, say goodbye to all the lovely people out there. Goodbye, lovely people. I hope you have a great weekend, and I uh, hope you enjoy the hell out of this Ring of Honor show. If you want to hit me online, you can get at me at, at Chris Star Patton on Twitter and on Facebook, Christopher.R.Patton. And we will be watching that probably live tonight, so just hit us up, you know, and we, we can talk about it. Dane Alves on Facebook, Dane Alves 42 on Twitter. But uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Like I said, you guys rock! But the Wrestling Geeks Alliance be with you, and of course, peace out.